the voice of one crying the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god the voice of one crying the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god the voice of one father we ask that you raise the Give you eyes, revive your people, everywhere they are, let them see, let strength be restored to their bone, make everyone thank you. Teach our hands to war, teach our fingers to pray. answer the prayers of your people when they ask according to your will. Teach them the difference between the holy and the common, the holy and the common, teach them the difference between right and wrong. Give eyes. Give sight. Give understanding. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. You may have your seats. You're welcome again to this Sunday morning's meeting. I would like for you to have an expectation to hear the truth. The truth makes people free. Therefore, to be free, you must hear. It is the hearing that brings the freedom. If the truth makes you free and truth is heard, then you should spend a lot of your life doing what? Hearing. You must be quick to... Some of you that look at me, in that dead man live. I'll point at you soon. You tell me if you didn't attend even small Sunday school. Were you Muslims before you came here? Be quick to... The scriptures say in the book of James chapter 1 that every man should be quick to hear and slow to speak. Hearing is the key to victory. Not doing first, but hearing first. When there's a hearing, then there can be a doing. When there's no hearing, how will you do? The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 13. Then we read down to 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So hearing by the ones who were sent is what will result in a message coming to those who will now make the rest to hear and be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they know there is a Lord to be called on? If no, if they have not heard. But how can they hear if no one was sent? And the question is, how can anyone be sent if they did not hear? Can you be sent to do something you did not hear? The only way you got sent was because I said, please go downstairs, the first row. Turn left down the stairwell, you'll see a red door. Walk in there and ask for a certain Jasper. Tell him to give you the money. Use that to pay your way and take care of yourself. Bye-bye. If you didn't hear me, you'll get nothing. It's your sharing me that results in your being sent. So there are, there's more than one level of hearing here. 
Jasper will share nothing if you don't share me well. You can't blame Jasper if you did not listen. So you must listen if Jasper is to listen. Now we pray Jasper will do what he was meant to do. But understand that in the first place, you have to have heard first for you to be sent. If I did not hear God and agree to be sent by God, whatever I've shared with you, you would not hear it either. So everyone has to do his own response to hearing. Every one of us, every single one of us. This is God's way. Hearing is how we fight. The sword of the spirit is the word of the Lord. When you hear, hearing in scripture is not hearing and doing what you like. It is hearing and obeying. That's God's definition of hearing. All right. So that's an exhortation someone needs to have right now as the Lord guides our lips we will continue to bring the rest of whatever he wants us to hear this morning okay the book of first timothy we have looked for a couple of months on and off at the church of god the household of god verse 15 chapter 3 verse 15 tells you something then we'll go and look at from verse 8 possibly in case i am delayed so that you will know how each one must conduct himself in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Each one has a way he or she must conduct themselves in the body of Christ. It says in God's household, which is the church. Last week I took time again to point out that the church of God is not a physical building. It's not this walls. It's not the pillars. It's not the roof. When you say beautify the church, when you say let's spend money on our church, according to the scriptures, you cannot be speaking about the physical blocks, the physical structure. That is not the church. It has never been. It is just the meet, a meeting place for the church. So you can say let us beautify our meeting place. Okay, that's honest. But don't call it the church. It is not the church. It is the place where the church meets. The people are the church. You are the stone blocks that make the church. That is what God sees. And you should never disagree with God. Romans tells you that let God be true and every man, including preachers, let them be alive. If God says something, you say something. God is right. If there's a class, God is right. You are stating an opinion or telling an outright lie. And even if it's an opinion that's wrong, it's still a lie. When God speaks, it's always the truth. The people are the church. Scriptures talk about the church in the wilderness. The church in the wilderness is a group of people that left Egypt and were traveling. They are the ecclesia, the called out ones in the Greek, the called out ones, the assembly. When you go out in the Hebrew, so it translates to the assembly, the congregation. To congregate means to come together in one place. So wherever they came from, they comprised the church. Together, they went they were going somewhere. Where they were going to is not the church. It's the church that was going somewhere. So as they went 
with God's presence, the cloud and the pillar of fire going with them. That is the church with its protection. When the manna was falling, that is the church with its provision. At every stage, the Lord is concerned about the church. However, he also has rules for being part of the church. If you understand that it's not your conduct within the four walls or however many walls there are in the auditorium or the hall where you meet or the small room, it could be a parlor. If you understand this, then you will understand that the church, the group of people is made up of individuals referred to here as each one must conduct himself in God's household. So in the group, the corporate expression, there's a way you must behave. The book of First Timothy, second, different one, was written. The scriptures generally were written to tell you how to conduct yourself. But here it's very specific. So as you guys come together, these are the things you should know. Is this clear? All right, now step back to verse 8. We've already seen verse 1 to 7. If you weren't here, and we talked about the overseer, and I went on to explain it's the word episcopos. It refers to a group of people, sorry, a person who has oversight. King James translates it bishop, which is not correct. I explained why it's not correct. Bishop was already an ecclesiastical office that existed, especially, primarily in the Roman Catholic Church. A lot of these things were adopted also by the Anglicans who broke out officially under King Henry VIII, who wanted to marry. Since the Catholic Church did not approve divorce, the Roman Catholic Church did not approve divorce. This was the year 15-something, so about the 16th century, you know, and uh, wanted to remarry, and they said, no, you can't divorce officially. So it broke out. That's how the Anglican Church, the English Church, started, and that's why... Yeah, mannerism seems quite similar to the Roman Catholic <laughs> because that was the other major option, so naturally. All right, so um, that's what happened. The expression, so the King James, who was the son of the daughter of King Henry, Elizabeth I, you know, James says, you know, he oversees the, um, he commissions the King James Bible. And then he says, do not tamper with the existing structure. So as you guys are translating that Bible to English, don't tamper as much as possible. And so they tried not to. You come across a word like baptize. It's only used in spiritual language. Why? That means it didn't grow out of the normal language. It kind of... um It's a transliteration. It's like... The word fufu, or it's like the word dodo. Dodo is not an English word. It's a, you know, right planting. <laughs> but if, these are not good examples. Someone should have a better example. So when there's no word for something. So melon, egusi. Now, baptize is from the Greek. Baptizo. In the noun and the uh, verb form, baptisma. 
So it's a, it, so the Anglicized I say baptism. Uh, what they lifted it straight from the Greek. So it's called a transliteration where you take a word, you know. Now they could have said submerged or put in water. And sometimes rather than use many, many words, they, you know, they want to use one word. Oh, but again, you're trying not to upset. You don't want to. Okay. So the Roman Catholic Church used to sprinkle water on people, you know. And if they were to try and translate it, it might sound like you're saying sprinkling is not working. So submerging. Now they have explained this. You must have done it in your class that in the practice, Jewish practice, which was brought forward into the, what many call the New Testament church, but which is just the church, uh, upgraded. Was it Friday? When did I explain? about the larger flock was Friday. So there's the flock called Israel. And then God expanded the flock to include Gentiles into and call them the Israel of God. All right. So that's what happened. That's what I mean by the upgraded church, the upgraded Israel, the Israel of God. All right. And um, in their practice, they, it is said they, you know, they would pour water on people, but some of it was in the desert and all that. When he talks about John the Baptist baptizing, all right? The picture we normally think of because of the translation of the word baptism too, sometimes means to put into water. My personal thinking is that it doesn't matter that much. I submerge people when I'm baptizing them, but I'm not hung up on a thing like that, all right? So in the wilderness, he would talk about pouring water over the person that has been declared clean of leprosy. We talk about running water. We talk about pouring water. So you hear some preachers say, oh, you must be moving water. That's a river before you're baptized. How many of you have heard this thing? You know, I still find it very interesting that people say some things as do. Okay, but just be aware that we are aware of these things. If you had the time to consider it long enough, you might arrive at the same conclusion like I that. I don't know if that matters that much. So it may have been the practice that maybe John the Baptist was standing there and fetching water with his hand and pouring on the heads of the people. It's possible. Possible. I am more inclined to think it was a submerging, that that deeping was not Naaman fetching water with his hand, but that he went in and got up. I am more inclined to think so. Why? Because of Romans chapter 6 where it says that you were buried with Christ in baptism and I've not seen someone buried standing up with sand being poured over his head. I'm just giving you my reason. I'm more inclined to believe that it had to do with going under the water. Since when people are buried, they are buried under the earth. Is that clear? That's my belief. If someone else believes you pour water on their head. Okay. Then let's understand that the practice then, so they had practices that were adopted. They tried not to disrupt. So there was already an office known as the office of a bishop. And when they translated that language into that language, they tried not to disrupt much. And they would use words like, you know, even using the word, the church sometimes. Sometimes the expression might be better if you said the congregation. There are words that are closer in meaning to something. But when you move away from the word that is closer in meaning and use a word that is further 
a meaning. It's usually because you're trying to preserve an idea. You might not realize it. Many people, <coughs> many people might not realize it, but words shape how you think. Words shape how you think. What you believe, what you think is affected by the words you use, the words you hear. Therefore, when people try to change a culture, they change their language. Alexander the Great did not conquer places and allow you to speak your language. You know, they made Greek the official language. You know, when you conquer people, they will fight back. They will try to speak their language. So many of those countries, they make it illegal. Even when the English take over a place or the French and all that, they don't want you speaking behind their backs. So they'll push you. They'll control you. So you are compelled to get educated in their language if you're going to be relevant. Why don't they employ you whether you speak English or not or French or not? Because if you're going to be able to serve them well and think like them, you speak their language. So language is really powerful, very, very powerful. You control how people speak, what words they use, what languages. They will tend to adopt some of that culture too, and they will identify themselves with the source of that language much more. That's why the enemy himself, the devil tries to get us to talk like the people of this world, to think out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So when they put words in your mouth, they are not just messing with your mouth, they are messing with your heart, aiming for your heart to say very, it's deliberately done, deliberately done. All right. So when you see the Chinese make Chinese the official language or the Russians, and you're wondering, why don't they just speak English like everyone else? You should understand this is why. Why should they speak English like everyone else? So they'll become more and more English-minded. Next thing, they are watching English programs. Next thing, they are sympathizing to English courses. America and Britain. No. Russian is our language. Krushneskov. Are you understanding? Has anyone never wondered, why don't these Russians just speak English? Okay, you don't think much about anything. Just the price of a bar. Do you ever wonder why don't the Chinese, why are they so backward, speaking this, they are Mandarin? Because they don't want to follow anybody. They want the world to follow them. So their language is officially taught. You want to do business with, I remember more than how many years ago? I don't know, it might be 10, 15, 20 years ago. They were sending people from Lagos to go and learn Chinese in China. China is everywhere. Chinese are everywhere. There are many countries because they desire to rule the world. They are not the first that have desired. America desired it too. Years before Britain desired it and pursued it. Everybody, major power, tends to desire. Years and years ago, France desired it greatly. And they would actually go about doing it, trying to do the kind of thing you read in the book, in the Bible, by the Medians and Persians and the rest. So, we all have to also actively make an effort to know that the language we speak and hear has affected you already and the future ones you hear will affect you. Are you hearing? Why you have to learn Bible language, I mean even just reading the Bible, listening to Christian things and all that, is because it's going to shape your heart and your mind. People who sometimes they pay attention, then other times you're paying attention to the world, you're paying attention to worldly sources. You find yourself struggling with two worlds. 
your heart will be in constant flux, which it should not be. You are part of the reason why you're, you have unrest because you, you're listening to too many languages. When they took Daniel and his brethren to Babylon, they taught them the language of the Babylonian so they could stand before the king. They could serve the king. It's okay to know certain language for social currency. Social currency, not cash, not monetary. <laughs> it's good to understand so you can't be bamboozled. However, make sure that the primary source of your thinking is God. And it is why we discuss words. We don't just say, no, it doesn't matter. Oh, this thing you're going to is doctrine. The word doctrine means teaching. Is there something wrong with being taught? No. You should understand that where someone has twisted language, it's happening in many Western countries now. They are twisting language horribly. So he could be a her. When she writes her letter on anything at the bottom, you see written there, pronouns, she, her. Strong-faced men like this. You see a woman, you know she's female. With the voice. Pronouns, him, he. Since people get bored easily, some went from there to, I saw one some day, weeks ago. Demon, demon self, dim. Some are not individuals. They are non-binary, so they are them. When you're talking to this guy, you say, Oh dear God, help me. My brain has to do some assaults to even succeed. Is them coming for the program? Sorry, you do know I'm not joking, right? This is happening now. Grown-up people with degrees are talking like this right now. There are situations where you refuse to and they may kick you out or sack you from your job because you refuse to call him them. And you're like, why is he them? Because he said he's neither male nor female, that he's both. He said. And you're not acknowledging it. It's racist and bigoted hate speech. And it's really stupid. What's the enemy doing? Why don't they stop? He's trying to change the language. So they are telling to children when they are born now that you don't know what you really are till you grow up a bit. Then you can decide what you are. So the question is, are you a male? Are you a female? Or are you both? If you are both, you are them. Now, for those of you that sometimes wonder and think, is, are they just being foolish? Some of them are being foolish. Some of them are not being foolish. Many of them are actually them. There are many. If you are Christians, you should know. So Jesus asked the demon-possessed man, what is your name? He said, Legion, for we are many. When one person says we, they are not playing. It's not one person inside there. They are a group and they are struggling. So they've struggled with some of these people till they've conquered and they can't silence the voice anymore. The demon has won, has conquered and taken over and is controlling and is like, recognize me all the time. So demons that used to stay hidden and oppress you inside the room, now they are walking freely. Are you understanding? Mm, that's what's happening. Those demons are finding expression all the time. Then you have to look for a word to express it and say, 
I am non-binary. I'm not one or zero. I'm not one or the other. I am both. I am all. Because of the spirits <coughs> pushing them. All right. An example of a word that we have transliterated is the word deacon. It's from the Greek word diakonos. That's the noun form. A diakonos is one who diakonias. Diakonia is the word serve, to serve. That's the verb, serve. A diakonos is one who serves. So a diakonia, diakonia, a diakonos diakonias. A servant serves. So the word diakonos is a servant. Some Bibles will say minister. It's the same word. A servant. The word minister is diakonos. Take note. So when you come across this word deacon like that, you say, oh, you see the position of a deacon. Be careful so you don't misunderstand. Why is it used differently? Sometimes, remember, they try not to disrupt the existing church practice when they were translating that King James Bible. <clears throat> so there was a small agenda involved, just like there are other Bibles today where there's an agenda. Deacons, likewise. So you understand that simply means servants, right? I don't even want to say ministers because you're also going to say, okay, ah, men of God. No, it's servants. Servants, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued or given too much wine or greedy for money. Let's keep going, then I'll come back and explain. They must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Additionally, they must first be tested. Then, if they are above reproach, they are above reproach, let them serve as servants, as deacons. Is that clear? Let them diakonia as diakonos. Is that, is that clear? That's how it is in Greek. That's what you're reading. They must first be tested and then they may serve. Okay? So we'll stop at verse 10 for now. Then we'll continue to verse 13. Go back to verse 8. The first things deacons must do is to be dignified. What does this mean? Let's look at one or two translations to help us move faster. Bible in basic English. HCSB is fine. Then we'll touch something else. They should be worthy of respect. Do you understand what it means to be dignified? It means acting in the way that conveys respect. Another says they must be serious in their behavior. What does this mean? It didn't say they must be serious in speech all the time. The unity says in behavior. Dignified. Dignified behavior is behavior that conveys respect. Now, I know I like to take jabs at people that act overly dignified. I think just the other Sunday I was knocking those who are all always too serious and saying you need to laugh a bit more. <clears throat> the reason being that, and I thought of how it's good for a heart to laugh. The scriptures don't say you shouldn't laugh. It says your behavior. Do you understand? Behavior. Behavior is how you act. So if you're doing cartwheels, backflips into a place, through a door, you're entering this building and you, you cartwheel in like a clown. Oh, I already said it. I want to ask, who are those that some assault into an arena? Did you ever see a speaker, a president of a country, cartwheel into an arena? 
Huh? Just cut it and come. Yay! Yay! All right, today I'm here to give a speech on the importance of isotonic pressure in the curing of AIDS. Nobody will know what to do with that. Hmm? Doesn't go together. We expect you to look dignified. If you come in wearing shorts with long hair, say, well, my, uh, today I'll be discussing Doppler theory. Uh, what? Who is this? Security? They'll come for you. You tend to, even though you are a scruffy professor who does not care about his appearance, you will try and buy a jacket or burro to wear that day because of what you're doing. A deacon, a servant of who? Of the church. And by the way, they are male and female. Maybe I have to go back and finish verse 11 at once. So you know it's not only male. All right. Let me read from verse 11 now so you know. So and I'm speaking, you don't keep saying, okay, these are the men. No, it's male and female. In the same way, the women... That is the women that are servants, that are deacons. Are you hearing me? Other than that, why didn't he say the men should be? Why does he stop in the middle and say the women must be dignified? Why? He was talking to deacons. Why should he allow the men not be dignified? Only the deacons that are men and then the ordinary men that are not deacons can act how they like. Then the women are picked out and told to be dignified. Between men and women, who should be, who should be more dignified. Huh? Men. Yes, women deal with children more so they can be a bit more, a bit less dignified. Men naturally are more, huh? In all, every dimension, animal kingdom, everywhere. Have you seen the cock, the cockerel amongst hens? Huh? Who is dignified? You know those other chickens that walk around doing and the Cock acts with this dignity. When he finds food, he doesn't even eat it. He calls the women. I mean, I come. And the judge, come, eat. Who has ever seen a cock being a cock? You pity it. Like, when do they eat? Their dignity is not on this world. <laughs> Some of you have not been around animals. Literally, they, they hand over their food. When they see food, they clear, they pull it out and keep well. That's dignity, dignity. And as they walk, then they throw their 1,500. Showing that they are something. They wear colors. The hens have no colors. It's only in the human kingdom that women are finer. In the animal kingdom, the males are finer. Do you know? The lion with the mane is a male. The plain looking one is a female. Every bird you saw with colors is a male bird. The same one with it that was squatting next to it, one color. That's the female. I'm serious. Because you're not an animal. When God created you, you are not an animal. <laughs> animals, it works differently. Male animals look nice. Birds. The peacock is only male. If you ever saw a peacock with his lovely tail, there's no female peacock that you're interested in. They are brown and ordinary. They are called peahens. Some females look offended. 
Come, let me give you God's address. <laughs> let me just jot down where to who to quarrel with. It is what it is. In the same way, the women must be dignified, not slanderers, that's gossips, but temperate. We'll go into more detail. That's the opposite of being a drunkard. And faithful in all things. That's balance. To be temperate means to be self-controlled. These are the female deacons or the deaconesses. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife. Well, let me give you one deaconess. Romans chapter 16 verse 1. Let's read verse 1 and 2. Or verse 1, 2. Let's read it. Let's read to you verse 5. Quick. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant. So that's the bias there. That word, guess what's the word? Servant there. Diaconos. Classic, you know. But again, when some men have sat down and said, our church does not believe in women, believe in ministry. The word ministry means service. He just said women cannot serve. You are wrong. There are kinds of service. But any act of service is service. Let me put it differently. Any act of ministry is ministry. Any act of ministering. The word minister is diakonos. Minister. One who serves. Please wash your hand. Wash your hand. Okay, how many of you? Take. Take. Please, sir, for you. Yes. You are serving. You can serve with food. You can serve with truth. You can serve with anything. There are different ways of serving. As long as you are serving male or female, nobody would think of not serving. But you see why I said words are important. Because when you're reading it, you read your Bible without looking at it in the Greek. And it's easy in these days. Just get a soft copy Bible. Get one that has maybe strong concordance. Even the Thayer is better. You know, something. Those numbers next to it. When you look at it, click on it. They will show you the original word in the Hebrew or Greek. Read it. That word, that interpretation, to the extent they have found out, that's the root word. It helps you understand what you're reading better. But if you just go with the English translators, I spoke about this. Was it last Sunday? Well, I spoke about the foundation of what, or maybe it was a Friday meeting. If you only come on Sundays, sorry, there will be gaps in your understanding. Get the Wednesday Bible studies and Friday meetings and you'll understand better. And so, um, you know, so it, it's, um, I explained about how some of these things came about. The summary of what I'm attempting to say is that we are influenced or misled or misdirected by the quality of the things that we hear. Understand properly so you can think properly. It is vital that you think properly. I commend to you our sister. You can't mix that up. She's a sister. Her name is Phoebe. A servant of the church in Cancria. 
Welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her with anything she may need from you. So many pronouns. You cannot dodge. This is female. She's a deacon. Add an SS and it's a deaconess. <clears throat> For she has been a great help to many people, including me. So she's a servant of the, who is she a servant of? Of the church. Remember who the church is. So she serves the church. I'm laying a foundation for what a deacon is, okay? Is one who serves the church. Deacons serve the church. How, what help does the church need? Whatever help. Different deacons can serve the church in different ways. So what does this mean about all the people that serve churches? Are you saying they are deacons? I'm not saying anything. If you can read English and understand it when spoken, put two plus two together. And then why have you not ordained them deacons and brought them out and made them so uniform? One, because maybe they can't afford it. Two, it's ridiculous. You don't need that to be a servant of the church. You don't need to wear a tag, deacon or deaconess. What do you need to do that for? The servants in the houses you visit, do they write on their body, servants? Because if I'm to do it, I'll write the servants. Deacon makes you feel cool. What kind of proud servant are you? You're a boy boy. You're a servant. If I say, come on, don't you know you are a servant? You say, is it me you're calling servants? If I say deacon, you go, yes, yes. What confusion. It's exactly the same thing. So stop it. I never admire ignorance. She has been helped to many. Great Prisca and Aquila. That word Prisca is the word Priscilla. You come across them in the book of Acts chapter 19 and other places. Great Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. That's a husband and wife team that you hear mentioned about four times or six in the Bible. Who have risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. So a husband and wife again. Are you seeing the husband and wife? Are you seeing them risking their lives? Are you seeing that they are both workers? With who? Who did they work with? With Paul. My fellow workers. So they helped Paul in his work. Husband and wife. All the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Great also the church that meets at their house. Whose house? Priscilla and Aquila's house. All right? So I can stop there. So there's a church that meets at their house. I'm just showing you how God recognizes the male-female work team. God does not look down on males and females, husbands and wives, or individuals like Sister Phoebe working. No, he does not. And they are servants. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife, a good manager of his children and of his own household. For those who have served, okay, Daconiad, well, as deacons, as servants, acquire for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Go on. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these things. We are back to where I started, verse 15. 
in case I am delayed. So you will know how each one must conduct himself in God's household. So back to verse 8. We are about to quickly, and then you ask questions. Look at how servants should behave themselves in the house of God. First, some weeks ago, a month ago or two, we looked at how the overseer, who is also a servant, but he's the overseeing servant. His job is overseer, superintendent. Oh, yes, yes, do that well. Uh, produce two, two copies. Um, the, that's the overseer, foreman, supervisor, superintendent. That's what that word means. The overseer. It doesn't mean a, a bishop with a cross on his neck. That concept, I'm giving you a hint. There was already such a rule in the Roman church. In existence, people would sometimes buy it. Some, sometimes very godless people. And there are all sorts of levels. The cardinals, the archbishop, the bishop, the this, and overseer. The real way to say is an overseer. An overseer can, so you hear some church groups say a general overseer because they understand this. They say an overseer. They say a general superintendent. The same thing. General. So this is the superintendent sup overseeing the other superintendents. Is this clear? This is the overseer overseeing the overseers. Do you understand? And there are levels of overseeing. Okay? Whether those levels of overseeing should exist is another matter. I've spoken about in times past. Most should not exist in the way they do presently. The denominational structure, why it's dangerous, has led to a lot of great evils. But it is. We make the best of what we can, but there are structures you should try and avoid. Because when you have overseeing, overseers, overseeing people that should not be overseen by anyone except God, mm. Or overseeing them in a way that amounts to control. It's not actual oversight. It's something else. It's, it's a, it's a Babylonian structure. So there's that kind of oversight, which I do not want to dwell on. If you desire to hear and understand it, I ask that you request from the technical team and say, please, or you can write in, send a mail, send a message online and say, I would like to get messages on this and they will points you to where you can download it on our Telegram channel, on the website. You should know it in case you end up being an overseer or you are under an overseer. For example, and that overseer is doing the wrong thing. You should not be afraid. There are many people that ought not to be under the people they are under. Very many, very, very many. But they don't understand these things. So they are under wrong people. Who now oversee them wrongly? Who tell them to do the wrong thing? Who tell them they oversee them wrongly? So picture being overseen by some lady who was given opportunity to cook for a group of people. And she's, her background, they eat a lot of pepper, okay, a lot of chili, a lot of hot sauce. And she says, put that pepper. What is this pepper you cut up? Cut four times this amount and put in that pot. And you know that these people you're serving are not from her ethnic extraction, that they are not from her tribe. They don't eat pepper like that. In fact, they will all reject it, so they'll be very offended. But you say, they said, I, I'm on, I, my overseer said I should do it, so what should I do? And you cut it in and pour it in. 
Now, who knows her intention? Maybe she wants everyone to reject the food, so she'll carry it all home in a cooler. That might be her intention. You can't say she didn't cook. She was cooking for only her family. And sometimes this happens when you have wrong oversight over you. They tell you to do something that is not beneficial for the people. And you try to say, no, I'm the one that knows these people. I have oversight over them. And God says, I am the regional overseer. And he's doing the wrong thing. Now, that situation is to a huge degree caused by you. Because God called you. When God called you and said, be my servants, go and, and preach my word and oversee people. You are the one. You are the one that now left and went and looked for someone whom God did not lead you to, or God led you to for a while. Maybe you should have learned under them for three, five, ten years, then gone to do what God sent you. He took you there for training. You went and liked, fell in love with the monthly salary. What you want is job security. And because you want job security, say, let me stay in this established system. Maybe I will rise through the ranks and become provincial, regional, state or whatever position you are thinking of, and they will give me a car, then they will do this for me. You, see, you, you, your motives are bad. Ah, No, why don't you go and do the work God called you to do? You've discovered comfort here. If you obeyed the Lord and stepped out in obedience, you would have oversight over people that God intended for you to oversee, his flock, instead of looking for a structure. That is all safe and sound. And this actually is a major reason for most of the wrong oversight. People who are looking for safety above people who are obeying God. You're supposed to focus on obeying God per time and asking God, what are you saying now? The moment your oversight goes crooked, wrong, and is doing the wrong thing, compelling the wrong thing, and you are complying with the wrong thing. You give account for the one who has the ultimate oversight, which is God. Flip back to the one who has partial oversight. While you're under authority, you must be under authority. But most people that are having oversight, the overseer in the earlier portion from verse 1, is the person who's over another. And most of the times, a pastor of a local assembly like this is what he's referring to. Not someone with a cross or any complications. That's the word episcopus. Again, go listen to the message on this. We are speaking now about the servants, not the overseer of the group, but the servants of that group. So the, in this congregation, I am the overseer. I am the episcopus of this group. But they are, and the episcopus serves. The Bible says, if you desire to be an episcopus, you desire a good work, not title. Not a title, it's a job. And it's a hard job. Then, if you're doing it properly, it's a hard job. If you're not doing it properly, you can just be enjoying yourself. A diaconia deacon is Serving under the overseer and with, like Paul, co-workers, a servant of the church. They are the ones that assist the church in different ways. Whether they are helping you collect your offering and counts and pass it to where it should go. Whether they are sweeping the floors. Whether they are feeding you with truth. 
However, they are serving in some form. They are servants. However, these people here are not talking about the people that are sweeping the floor and doing all of that. It's talking about a position that was official. And the closest thing to this category is what you find with the church under the old covenant, the group known as the Levites. The Levites were the servants of Israel. They were attached. And I explained this in that earlier meeting too. So let me just move on to the specifics of how those, the Levites of today under the Melchizedek priesthood must behave. Those who serve the body, local congregation, and there are those who serve the larger congregation. They must be dignified. They can't be clowns. There's a way to behave. Doesn't mean you can't laugh or tell jokes. I tell jokes all the time. But there's a seriousness of heart and mind. You can't be flippant about life. You can't, you can't, whether I'm in public or private, I, you see me play, joke publicly. I'm saying this especially because there are those who think this means you can't relax, you can't, it's not true. And some people are afraid of ministry because they're like, if I'm like that, I won't be able to laugh and joke. It's part of why I won't go out of my way. I keep saying it, the older I grow, the more playful I'm becoming. I used to be far more serious. <laughs> I used to be way more serious. If we can express ourselves in jest and all that, the Bible tells you how to talk. It talks about uncomely jest. There's wrong talk. Being dignified means whether you're laughing, crying, whatever it is you're doing, the way you're doing it is not in a way that makes people look down on what you say. That is serious. I could tell you a joke. I tell you jokes all the time. But when I now tell you the important thing, it shouldn't be that based on how I did the joke, you don't pay any attention or regard to my serious words. So when I tell you, listen, the boss is coming. He's coming in two days. We have to get ready. It shouldn't be, it's, I, what, how I behaved in the past or how I spoke should not make you say, oh God, I'm very, leave me. Me, I'm not there. Me, I'm going home now. You people, you should clean it away. If you're able to do that, it means I've lost all dignity before your eyes. So whatever I do that helps you know that I carry a serious message should be enough. Should be enough. To be dignified means be self-respecting. Respect your own self. Respect yourself. Understand that you're representing someone. You're a servant of the church. Why should people look at you and think, hey, church. <laughs> And start laughing. Carry yourself with, is it dressing? Not really. That might have a small part, but that's not it. It's in your speech. You find it in First Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. Let's see. Let no one despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in one speech. Two, conduct. Three, love. Four, faith. And five, purity. So, speech, how you talk. I've seen people, they say, you know, I'm a Christian, or they say, I'm a pastor, and some of you may have come across them. And they say lousy and dirty things. You find that in Ephesians 5, quickly. Verse 2 and 3. Let's take it from 3, 3, 4. But among you, as is proper among the set-apart ones, the called-out ones, the saints, that's the holy one. The, that's the church. Huh? 
there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. The moment you do that, you're losing dignity or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk. It didn't say talk. It said foolish talk or crude joking. Now, this is how to lose dignity in a hurry. How many of you have been around someone that projected externally an impression of serious Christianity? Wait, let me finish before I raise your hand. How many of you have been shocked by someone that externally presented an aura of serious Christianity, but you lost it and went like, wow, this person is not serious at all. When they spoke, when you're in private or in a certain group, they said obscene things, dirty things, foolish talking, crude joking, or acted immorally, immorally or impurely. Raise your hand. Put down your hand again. See all those hands? Let me say it better. I'll ask you again. You were shocked. You couldn't connect that thing, that impression you knew to what was happening in this setting. Raise your hand. So this, whether 15 hands or 20 in this place are Letting you understand why the scripture says that a deacon should be dignified. Because some are not. They pretend to be dignified. They act. And then, yeah, they hold their chin up like that and look like they are struggling with breathing. And then they are sitting with you in a car and they start saying, fine girl, do you have a boyfriend? Let me be your boyfriend now. Immediately, all the dignity, look at it. He has really just flat out of the window. He's running backwards. All gone. And God is saying, no, 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 no. You can't be one of the helpers, the servants of the church. And you are like that. Is this clear? Go back. I just want you to see. So you go through that list in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. And also you looked at First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. All right, it says, no, that's where we shall have gone back to. It says in speech, and it also said in conduct, that's your behavior. No need to say it mixed with the other one. In love, you're to be an example for believers in love. So there are people who have all sorts of definitions of love. If you are a helper, if you are one of the leaders in the church, your definition of love should be utterly and totally different from that other's hold. You can't say, I am loving and your love is this thing that is on TV and in magazines. That's not love. Oh, I love you. One young lady told me years ago, she was living in a city, another city from here. And I had seen her in where she, she used to come to um well, this might be 15 years ago. I don't know. It's a long time. About 13 years ago. And she said that he, um, the, the pastor of the church she went to, she had lost her phone or so. They stole it. Either they found it and gave it to him or he said he'd give money for her to buy another phone. And instead of just giving, she, he said that she come to the house and she went with a friend. She, she was someone I had preached to, had seen and preached to and all that. And so I hadn't seen her for a while. Then she came to stop by my office. I was asking her, how are you? And she was telling me things. Or she came to ask a question. I don't know. She was a new Christian. God help her, wherever she is now. 
But the point is, she said, he said, when he got to the parlor, because she came with a friend, he told her, come inside the bedroom. All this to give her money to buy a new phone. I don't know if he had an ATM in his room. And then he begins to say, I hope you know I love you. All right, that's all I'll tell you. There's nothing more. The Bible says you shall be an example of the believers in love. Now, Timothy was being told this thing because he was a leader. He was helping the churches. Paul sent him, go here, go there, go here. Go to these churches and appoint leaders. He was helping Paul was a co-worker himself. He too was a servant of the churches. And he was being given an assignment, even though his own was across churches, not within churches. So intra-churches, not inter-churches, not intra-church, not within the church, but across churches. He was being sent. He was helping Paul. So he was also a servant of the church. Are you understanding these things? God wants us to understand this. And God wants us to provide an example. Now, you might say, that's not what I am, so I can be unserious. No, you have to be like this for a very long time. So you'll be noted as being like this, so you can help the church. Do you understand? You don't say, hey, since I'm not among those helping the church, so let me act how I like. You must obey these things. These are the things I read in 1999. I studied and took notes on that I've been able to practice over the years. And then your responsibilities now increase. You must practice it. Now, those who didn't learn this are the ones who come into authority in the church and destroy it and bring great dishonor to the name of Jesus because they never learned to be an example in speech. When they see dirty gist, they join and gist. When lousy people sit to discuss wicked thoughts in their minds, things that you should be ashamed of, they put their mouth and say, well, you think because I'm a Christian, I'm afraid to talk. You should be terrified. I pray next time you find yourself in such a place and you don't leave. I'm praying to my God right now. You see that God answers my prayers. Someone will slap you in that place. If you're here, they will slap you and push you down. Your chair will break under you. If you complain, I'll increase it. Is that even a cause? Has your chair never broken before? What is that? For the sake of your soul, they will slap you. In that place, you'd, you'd be a mistake. They will mistakenly slap you. I have heard, look at all the hands that went up. You're a child of God. What on earth are you doing in that setting? And then they are saying, filled. Now, you know the bad thing with these examples? I can't give any example. I can't. Because many years ago, I realized that as a child of God, Ita, you can't tell those jokes. You can't talk like that. I was still very young. Maybe 10, 11. That's when I used to stumble like that. I was a new Christian. Then someone yaps you in boarding school. And then you answer him back, his own. You say, hey, you, you did this, did it. Hey, your father did this. I answer, hey, your own father did this. 1990, I remember telling a joke like that. It wasn't a joke. And the guy came and tackled me. And I floored him. He wasn't strong. He was soft. And I was in church the next Sunday, Federal Government College, Ikotek Bene, big dining hall, Protestant service, and we finished, and we were about to go as well. We, I don't know what the preacher preached. I don't know who was the preacher. I just know I was convicted. You're wrong to have, even though he said your father is this, you shouldn't have answered him and said his own father is anything, and uh, all of that. <sighs> and he was a brother in the church. You know, just one Christianity, man. God. 
But I knew enough as young as I was. I was just born again for a year. If it was, I don't think it was up to a year. But I knew without anyone telling me, nobody told me that I should go and say sorry. And I remember as I decided, as we were walking, two of us happened to come out. Or I caught up with him as he was leaving, exiting the door of the dining hall. And I said, Iposia, I'm sorry for calling your father. And he said, I'm even the one that should apologize. Perfect peace. What's the debt? How do you do this? Oh, it's called humility. And it is the hardest thing on earth. I agree. I'm the first to agree. It is hard. Humility is hard. That's why very few people will ascend the hill of the Lord. Everybody cannot be a ruler in mean, Jesus' now. So God makes it tough. The short list is short. That's why it's called a short list. Hmm? Yeah, short listing. And they, were you shortlisted? The other the short list means short list. A short list. Out of a long list of people that wrote down their name. A short list. Very few people will be shortlisted for the purposes of God. The age to come. Why? Because they will not do what needs to be done. And some people used to be humble. That's why I beg God, please. God help me to stay humble. It's so easy to get proud. The time comes, you think you are never wrong. That's what happens to many preachers, many servants of the church. They come to a place. They've been right so many times. They've said things and it comes to pass so many times that they think they are equal to God. They cannot err. Very dangerous place. Very dangerous place. You are to be an example in speech. You can't say dirty things. You can't say lousy things. You can't say wrong things. You can't tell dirty jokes. You cannot pass the joke. You mistakenly heard it. You were sitting in a crowd and the man came and told one stupid joke like this. And all of you have heard these stupid jokes. You can't repeat it. If you knew you, they would tell those dirty jokes, you wouldn't have gone there. But now that you were there, it was your law dinner. I remember one law dinner, governor's office annex. I was in the University of Uyohe and they had the law dinner, end of year, whatever. Maybe 19, uh, 2000, or maybe 1998, 97, 98 or so. Oh, well, was it later? 99? Maybe, maybe. Can't remember. And we had governor's office annex. And someone tells a joke. Now, you know, I can't tell you the joke now because it was a, not a clean joke. He was brought in, was a famous MC. And he told a joke and people laughed all over, you know. But it's funny in a way, but I can't laugh. I'm, I'm a Christian. Everyone knows I'm a Christian. You can't laugh to that. Second, you can't tell the joke to anybody. Maybe I can tell my wife, but I can't tell. Who are you going to tell a dirty joke to? The Bible says it shouldn't be heard in my mouth. In speech, this is what will make you dignified. Remember, I've seen, you have seen, maybe more than me. Big jackets, ties. Good morning. When you greet them, good morning. God bless you. All dignified, but speech, bad. Bad speech. Are you hearing me? Don't. Stop being externally dignified and a dirty vessel inside. Don't. Externally, instead, don't look so dignified. Be internally clean. Let people look at you and think about it. I've never heard this person give, say a stupid joke. Never. I've never heard this person utter a lousy expression. I've never. Let that be the case with you. Just let. That's what will make them consider you dignified. Stop, don't act dignified. Let the spirit realm, let angels consider you dignified. Angels in heaven say, oh no, he never, oh, she does not say things like that. 
When you're when they tell a joke in church, you won't laugh. Then you go home and be telling stupid stories, pretending to be dignified. Hmm? Don't do it that don't do that anymore. You're a child of God, you're born again. Your mouth is a no-go area for certain things. Ah, be many of the funny jokes. Ah, 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 sometimes ah, they call them laboratorial or risque. Spelled risque. Risque, laboratorial, toilet jokes. Someone went to the toilet, then you start, and everyone laughing, ha ha ha. Hey, that's crude jesting. It's crude. Are you hearing me? You look so guilty. I'm not your enemy. You feel me? You better, you better, the Bible, see, you will not ascend the hill of the Lord. I've told you. Any opinion you have about this, that's your opinion. The scriptures are clear. You ought to be an example. That means everyone should copy you. Now ask yourself, if everyone copies me, how would people speak? If everyone copies me, how would they speak? How would they express themselves? If everyone copies me, so watch what you say. Don't lead. That's just speech. Conduct comes, fits in there. Love. I've told you, don't, don't have the wrong definition of love. When people, when they say, brother this, sister this, pastor this, Deacon this loves people. Let it be real love, not the one someone posted online. How a, a, a deacon took a message, a, an elder a deacon sent to them, eh? and forwarded it online. It was the most embarrassing thing. So embarrassing. Put it online. The person said, "Look at look at what this elder." I went to church, and this elder said, ah, "Where are you?" Summary told her that she should just be his girlfriend. She put, put her on a monthly salary for being his girlfriend. And was talking about her botox, how big it is. I think I saw it some years ago. But the whole point, what on earth? Eldow, Eldow Deacon, that's his title. That's not love. He said, I love you. And they'll stab, I say, I love you very much. And love stab females often. You say, I love, I love you too. Instead of just, I love your bank account. Don't practice fake love ever. Be example in love. That means you practice First Corinthians 13 love. Write it down, go and study it. Go and study love, everyone. I did my own study in 1999. Every word there, look it up in the Greek, the Hebrew, take notes. Know what love is. Stop confusing yourself before you enter trouble too much. Know what love is. Love has a meaning. Agape, it gave meaning. You cannot do what you like and say, hey, it's just love. Now we're just showing love. Stop showing hatred and calling love. The Bible is such a specific book that it says that he that spares the rod hates his son. That is the person that does not flog the child. The Bible says you hate the child. I, every time I say that, I have to qualify that I'm not talking about child abuse. Some people practice child abuse and they call it discipline. That is, I'm not talking to you. But he that Give me the book of Proverbs chapter 13 verse 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him erratically once in a long time. Disciplines him diligently. Do you know what it means to do something diligently? Nobody sitting here would want to be disciplined diligently. Do you understand what it means to be disciplined diligently? Did your mother or teacher ever tell you to be more diligent? Would you like to be seated there while they are telling your parents, 
You guys have to be more diligent in flogging this guy. Does this sound good? Sounds very scary. Diligent, eh? Eh, Danny, I like it how you always forget usually to do anything. I beg. Please keep it erratic. Carelessly discipline me. Once in eight months. That's why you are how you are. That's why you find it hard to obey God. It's the erratic discipline you got. The lack of diligent discipline. I'm not saying every time. There are some friends that think every single time a child does something, you must flog them. It's not true. It's not true at all. He didn't say flog them every time. He said you should discipline them diligently. There are different ways of disciplining. Just be diligent. Let your child not consider you inconsistent. Up and down. This time, you did this thing. And daddy said, I hope they didn't catch you. Okay. Then the other time, come here. Why do you steal from me? Come here. Come here. Give me your hand. Turn your buttocks. Then you flog him. With what? Daddy, mommy, you're not diligent at all. When they know you're going to be diligent, you know, you said what to who? Go and apologize now. Another time. Who was that you were answering? Oh, that my enemy. Don't mind them. My child, you did well to abuse them. Enter the house. Go and eat, Joe. Take extra meat. That's non-diligent. You are confusing that child. The Bible says if you do that, you hate the child. But if you love him, so this is the Bible definition of love. Disciplining someone diligently is love. Most people hate that. You don't want diligent discipline. But if the person tells you, I love you, you said, I know. How do you know they love you? That's what it means. Go back now to First Timothy 4. You are to be an example in love. That's Timothy. Teach them what true love is. Is this clear? Be patient with them, according to 1 Corinthians 13. Be kind. Don't be rude. Don't keep record of wrongs. Like, don't pile up all their wrongdoings. And every time you talk about everything they have done in the past, and then you say, you never change, you never change. You know, don't pile up their wrong. But do address the matters before you. And be diligent. In faith, you have to be an example in faith. I won't say much about that. Speak about faith often. And impurity, that's clean. The opposite of impurity found in Ephesians 5 is purity. Be an example in purity in the open or in secret. Do not have bad magazines you look at, bad videos you watch. Be pure. Keep things pure. Keep things clean. Keep things free of mixture. You are to be an example. Is this clear? Deacons are not to be double-tongued, telling lies, saying two things, talking to this group, doing this way, then being with this group, saying this one. If you are like that, you should not be a deacon. You should not be a church helper. You cause problems. You destroy the church. And these are real rules that are to be weighed before someone is given leadership. Is it possible they may stumble a little here and there? Yes, they are human beings. But their goal must to be completely free of this. Don't have a double tongue, split tongue, divergent tongue. Don't say different things, different places. Don't be given too much wine. Don't be one who gets intoxicated at all. In that time and culture, wine was the equivalent of Fanta, Sprite, malt. You, you have malt now. You have other things. You have non-alcoholic wine. Let that do for you. Don't go and sit down around a few bottles. You are not wanting to be a church helper. You are not an example in conduct. Is this clear? You don't want to mislead people. 
when whatever a deacon does, others should be able to copy. Or greedy for money. This is the one I don't know how God will help the church of God. These are the reasons there are problems in the body of Christ. You should not be greedy for money. Just officially, people are greedy for money now officially. Like pastors spend a good part, preachers everywhere, teach people to be greedy. If you're not greedy, they tell you you're stupid. And I don't want to talk about that again today. I've spoken about it very often. Please, do not... What you think is the normal pursuit of normal ends is often greed. If you're not greedy, what you need is food and clothing. The rest is for taking care of those with you and meeting the needs of others. Doing that as a lifestyle is a good thing. It's not for piling up. People that are greedy for money, you get to First Timothy 6, you see them. They store, they live. James 5 talks about them too. You live to accumulate. It's against God's will. Okay? Don't be greedy for money. If you're greedy for money and you're a church helper, do you know what will happen to you? Huh? In today's series on how to get God to punish you effectively, Still church money. Still church money. Take the money that belongs to God's people. Personalize it in your pocket. They gave you 200,000 naira to go and acquire something for the church. You bought it 185,000 naira. Put the 15,000 naira in your pocket and say, the laborer deserves his wages. And tell them when they employed you. You're not allowed, except you were clearly given 200. Buy it, you know. Use the rest for transfer and whatever. Uh-huh. But you drove down to a car road. You used, bought petrol, 2,000 naira in your car. You bought it and then you came back. There was all this 15,000 naira remaining. You forgot to say, Pastor, 15,000 naira remain. And you might say, no, it's okay, keep it. You've been busy. It's well, it's well with you. No, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> I have a testimony. You know, I was just wondering where I'll get money to give my wife to cook for. Small something for some days. Thank you, sir. That's completely different. You came and said, you told them to write a receipt of 200,000. You bought it 185. Or you made sure you didn't bring back the receipt because you know the pastor may not ask. Ah. You be tifo. That is called tifri. Not an English word, but it's allowed. What, what did you just do? And then, you know, the bad thing with evil, you get used to it with time. Next thing, you're a master thief. Next thing, you have stolen like 8 million over a period of 17 years or 10 years. And everyone praises you. Let's welcome our brother. This brother, come, come, brother. You are an, this is an example of hard work. Meanwhile, your punishment that is looting is not local. The punishment looting for you. How did you get there? Oh, you're greedy for money. That's all. Greed, you want now money. And that has roped you into disaster. A church helper cannot be greedy. Take note, you didn't start being greedy when you came to church to work. You were greedy outside. And then they now gave you church responsibility. Like Judas, you brought the character you had into the ministry of Jesus. Is this clear? They must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. That means this is important. Many people likely have never understood this. The secrets of our faith, the things God has revealed to us. Please jump to the end. I, we, we didn't read it. Verse 16. By common confession, the mystery of godliness 
is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels. Who is this? The Lord Jesus. Was proclaimed among the nations, was believed in throughout the world, was taken up in glory. This is the mystery of godliness. Now go back to the verse 9. The mystery of the faith, which is related to the mystery of godliness, is the faith we hold on to. Verse 16. These people that are called to be church helpers, deacons, servants of the church, must believe those things we read in verse 16 with a clear conscience, not with doubts. Is Jesus really the Son of God? Go back. Did he really appear in the flesh? Are you hearing me? Did Jesus, was he really vindicated by the Spirit? Was he right? Did angels see him? Did he appear? This Jesus, is he? Was he taken up into glory? Is it him that is being believed? If you have struggles with disbelief, if your conscience is not at peace about basic matters of the faith, you are not qualified to be a servant of the church. Are you understanding? If you still shake when you're here, you're, you're you have these deep doubts, but you, you are complying. If they come and say, I'd like to appoint you to be one of the official helpers of this church, say, please, no. My conscience is not yet clear. I can't say in all clear conscience that I believe everything that is said about Jesus. Is this clear? There are people who have had these issues and they went on and became pastors and they have caused great harm to the church. When they finally say, you know what? I can no longer pretend. I don't believe. And people go like, oh my, whoa. And they <coughs> fall away. I had, um, you know, I, I've shared, I've spoken to you about, uh, what's his name? He wrote the book called I Kiss Dating Good by Joshua Harris. He wrote it many years ago. He was a young guy. I never read the book, but without reading it, I would know that Dating is not okay. And then he comes out and says that that book was wrong. And I thought, wow, why is he saying that? The general idea of the book for an American to say, I won't do dating. It's not helpful and different things. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a correct and scriptural thing. You have to relate with the sister. Titus chapter 2. The younger women are sisters. Do you date your sister? What's wrong with you? Uh, but how will you marry? You marry after you court a sister. That means you seek a hand in marriage and you follow the correct protocol, which does not necessarily mean going to the girl first, like many do as the norm. Can it be done that way? I guess so. But if society was ideal, which it is not, it may have been better to go through the father as it was in many cultures in the past, including Bible culture and parts of other parts of the world. So there are other ways without it being approaching the girl directly from day one. But since that's very common and there are many fathers who even expect it that way, any other way would may not work. So it's okay. I'm not saying it's against the will of God to speak to the girl. If you don't have, I mean, you're in some strange land, you don't know the girl's father or pastor or anything, you know. I don't have a problem with a young man telling a young lady, I'm interested. I mean, how on earth will he know the pastor or the father without the younger? 
You don't just go to a girl. Please, sorry, can I have your father's number? What? Reginald, are you feverish? They start taking a temperature. No. So there's context. So I have no problem with, you know. However, of course, if you're part of the same congregation, that's very different. You have so many other ways to go about it. <clears throat> and that includes talking to your pastor about it and all of that. But this young man at the time was quite young, wrote that book, and it was, it had great impact. And I think he did a good job based on now. I'm not going to the details if he went on, but the general premise that stop this dating thing. Stay pure minded. Dwayne Sheriff, the pastor, uh, in a pastor in uh, Oklahoma. Yes, uh, we have some of his audios. You know, I used to listen to him a lot in the nineties, uh, early two thousands, two thousand one, two. Oh, you know, and he's very sound, a very sound teacher and pastor. And he spoke about those things. And, um, I think you still have the audios. If you're interested, ask for it, get a flash or a phone. Collect the fire food and listen to it. It talks about marriage and different things. Not marriage. If you are not married, leave that part. Dating. Love, dating, and marriage. Something like that. If you will do that, you learn some things. You have some wisdom. You will, you know, think better. And avoid unnecessary temptation. Don't put yourself in temptation and then say, God, why didn't you help me? God will deal with you. And that's the number one danger of dating. You're putting yourself in you're entering a, a highway. Wow, 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 wow. And say, no, I'm just standing in the middle of this road. I'm praying. By God's grace, a cow will not hit me. What's wrong with you? Ikorodu Road. You enter Ikorodu Road, Lagos, where cars are driving like they are mad. You stood in it, hoping by God's grace. Have you not heard of the casualty rates of people who date? Is it me you want to hear from? Are you blind, deaf, dumb, on top of being stupid? Don't you know? Is this an opinion thing? You, all the immorality you ever got involved with, how do you get into it? Doesn't come on and say, hey, no, there's nobody that can do without it. Are you real? They are everywhere. Not dating. Everywhere. They are all over the earth. Non-Christians that have never dated till they got married. Who tells you you must date? Hey, all my friends, your indiscipline will cost you. So that's why I tell you, you have no basis. No, if I don't date, how will I marry? Explain to me the connection. And you know, if you, if you explain, those guys do ritual dating. That you go out with this guy or this girl for a while. Then after you break up, then you go out with this one. You're not married and you're using words like ex, my ex. That's your pam pam. That's your, that's your counselor. You should just know what you mean. That's the one who canceled you. Who canceled your spiritual life? Who canceled? How many times have we seen it? Someone had great hope, gave their life to Christ. Oh, I love you. Came out crying. Jesus. <laughs> then you see them in the evening sitting on a veranda leaning on a boy or a girl. What are you doing? Never can they be serious Christians. Always clowns. Mixing immorality with Christianity. Doesn't the Bible say there shouldn't even be a hint? How can there not be a hint when you are dating? You're, you are over hinting. All your classmates, all your compound mates know that you and that guy, you are an item. You and that girl, you are a couple. Which other hint is bigger than that? Even if you have never touched each other like this, I mean handshake. Even if you, when you shake, you came up with you of shaking without touching. Six inches, six inches. You came up in your attempt to be holy. That's what you came up with. But you are inside one room being holy. Excuse me. 
Do you think your neighbors are suspecting you? Oh, their minds are so pure. Hey, leave them, leave them. They are dirty minds. Mm -mm, mm -mm. So you don't blame your neighbors. Out of the two million people that were inside the room together, hmm, it's two people that did not do bad things. Don't blame your neighbors. Your neighbors went like three plus three. Uh, six. They're like no monkeys. It wasn't three plus three. It was 3.21 plus 3.15. How were we supposed to know? We just went three plus three. My explanation is clear. If you want to understand, if you want to date, you not understand. It's your problem. You don't have to date. Why should you date? Why must say everybody does it? You know how many people lie and steal? You know how many people have committed an abortion? You must do young. Do you know all the things many people do? Don't do it. Because it makes sense not to. In every way. The heartbreak. When nine year old, I had broken, writing broken heart letters. Nine years. How they were broken. How they broke up with their boyfriend. The seven. I'm forgetting. I'm growing old. Seven year old. They're broken hearted. Like at me, I asked, how did they even find a hat and buy first, 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 first. Before they think after that I'm broke. How, how? Who showed this child? Where did they say hat? You should even have hats yet. You that should be climbing trees and some assaulting and fighting boys. Yeah, he had the time to sit down and have a broken heart. People, mom. If I catch you. That's why I tell you, don't read romantic novels. Don't read rubbish. You mess with your head. After that, you spend the rest of your life looking for what does not exist. Looking for what does not exist. Have I not told you, the major reason they are broken marriages is people had ideas in their head that never existed. If I was your pastor from beginning, I would have told you. I tell you how many times. See, listen, I've concluded. If two people can live together without attempting to kill each other, let them live together. That's a marriage. If there's no attempted murder consistently, if it was only once or twice, leave it. <laughs> you woke up and you saw your wife standing over you tonight. <laughs> you saw your spouse with their knife standing over you. It's okay. It's not a big deal. <laughs> All these ideas of perfection. And my husband ever does it. My wife ever does. Cool down. Cool down. Cool down. That thing you're looking for is in the age to come. It's not. See this, Ed? Manage. Manage. I told you. That's my thinking. But where do the problems come? Because you had pictures. You read things. You watch fantasy. That thing you're watching. Let me explain. If it was real, why would you gather to watch it? You didn't hear me. It's because it's fiction. See, listen. All those people that gather to watch. Uh, as he saved her. And spun her around. <laughs> it's because it's a lie. See, listen. It's because nobody does it. So, people now say, let's pretend we did it. People now paid money to sit down and watch it. That's daydreaming in technicolor. That is, you're dreaming while it is day. But you're watching it. Other than that, it's in your mind. You have imagined such things. But all of us know when you daydream that you wake up. That's why you like those novels. That's why you like those movies. That's why. Especially women. Especially men too, but especially women. And Diaga. Go and buy kerosene. That's what you should be hearing. So you come back to your senses. That's a theme in your head. You have someone that says, I love you. You tell them, I love you back. You're serious minded. 
You're willing to be kind to them, gentle, forgiving, this, that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, add it all together. But you know sometimes these things you're imagining will not happen. Just like when you imagine that once you have admission, things will happen a certain way. Just like you imagine once you rent this new house, everything will be perfect. Just like you imagine once you have this new clothes, now you'll be able to walk with your head high till the clothes tall. Just like you imagine many, 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 many things in this world. That's exactly how marriage is. You know what you imagine? Just carry that your imagination like this. Pour enough water. Pour water like this. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. Talk, 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 talk. That might be closer to reality. But it becomes more concentrated. Give God thanks. Give God thanks. If it's more concentrated, it's more correct. But don't go around like believing. Oh, oh, we'll be, ah, no, once we marry. Ah. Please remember, don't come here if you don't want to hear the truth. And when I tell the truth and you think it's a lie, challenge it. You're free to write it down. Ask for opportunity to speak. When we have time, if we can't speak today, first thing Wednesday, I'll give you the floor. You tell us what you think. The law of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, is not this joke people go around talking about. Now, I want to comment that I heard uh, he's an, uh, a YouTuber. Uh, he, he comments on Christian issues. I've heard him maybe three, four times. Bits and pieces, maybe not everything. I think it's, it's called Rossland, or they make that sound, Rossland, or something like that. I think that might be his name. Rustland, white guy, and he talked about how that the guy wrote rubbish, you know, absolute rubbish. Now, that might be because of his views on dating. I don't know. But I was kind of disappointed. Like, why on earth did he say he wrote rubbish? He now said that after the guy came out and agreed that the book was not okay, then the guy now, and I know, I knew it years ago. We've talked about it. The guy came out and said he's no more a Christian. First, he's no more a pastor. He was a pastor when he grew up. He wrote that book when he was young. Quite young, either 18 or so. Then he grew older, became a pastor. Then he now said as a pastor, let me go to theological seminary. And went there and lost his faith. Yes, that's what happens to many people that go to anything. Went there and then came out, then said he doesn't believe he, there is no more a pastor. Then he divorced his wife. And then he said he doesn't believe in God anymore. Level after level, of course, the enemy just took him down. And they don't understand warfare, witchcraft. They don't understand. Witchcraft is Satan's forces of warfare. They don't understand. And I was wondering, doesn't that let you understand very clearly that the issue was not the book? That anything this guy attacks must be a good thing? Don't you understand? Do you understand what I just said? Anything that fellow attacks must be good. That's why it's attacking. So him attacking that his book and what he said about dating not being the correct thing to do must be a good thing. Or are you implying that him breaking up, ending his marriage or turning his back on God is also that he does, he's an apostate, he doesn't believe in God. He's not sure whether there's a God anymore, whatever he was saying. Does that mean it's good? No. It's just unfortunate that the first thing he did before he came out clearly and said, I'm turning my back on God, was to attack the book. So people now thought everywhere, oh, oh, we believe the rubbish. Do you know what that was resulting? Millions and hundreds of millions of people going back to dating. Because the number one book against dating, the author came out and said he wrote rubbish. What about him saying God is rubbish? Is Will you also say God is rubbish? Do you understand my logic? The fruit of a tree tells you what kind of tree it is. So the fruit he brought out confirmed exactly what I had believed. From the first time I heard him deny the book, I came out and denounced it. Maybe 2019. I came out and denounced it. I told our congregation, don't mind him. If you see the book, read it. It's a good book. Don't mind him. They say, ah, but it's the owner that wrote it. 
He owns nothing. If he wrote scripture, then it is true. I had already denounced it before he now came out. He was coming out in phases and now denounced, renounced God. Doesn't that show that what I said was right? His issue was with God, not with the book. So he has turned his back on God. And of course, he's trying to turn his back on everything that has to do with God. I hope this is clear. All right. I intend to finish in about 15 minutes. And between that time, I must take questions too. All right. So you must be someone who has a clear conscience about what you believe about the mystery of the faith. If you're, if it's shaking up and down like this fellow's own, please, when they tell you, come and be a servant of the church, say no. All right. Is that clear? Additionally, they must first be tested. Then if they are above reproach, let them serve as they continue. Could this be clearer? Do you see that they are to be tested? That means you are not to be appointed first. You are first to be tested. When will you be tested? Right now, in this house, let me use real examples. In this congregation, many people are being tested to be servants of the body of Christ. Many people. Not servants of God's lighthouse. Servants of the body of Christ. They are being tested to serve the body. They will go on to be people who serve the body of Christ worldwide. They are already serving here and there. You know, it's always been part of our structure to send them when they go to places to serve others and to help. Even when they go to other towns and cities, the instructions I gave from the earliest days was go there, find a church, join it and serve. So when they go to a place, they are sweeping, they are cleaning. They don't sit down and ask the visitor, even though this is their church group. Even people in Rio, there are times and seasons where we broke up into groups and send them out. And we tell them, serve, serve with all your hearts. However you can help them, help them. And they help because the Bible, now they are being tested. Even in this house, they are given responsibilities. At different times, someone else will be changed, given responsibility. You're being tested. Someday, you may be serving multiple churches like that. If you are not called to the fivefold ministry, are you understanding what I'm saying? It says they have to be above reproach. Then they can serve as a deacon. It can be official in a certain way. But first, you test them. You want to test if someone can cook? You don't ask them, name the kinds of seasoning. And they say, Maggie. To no. And I'm confusing the Nigerians here because they are like, no, star Maggi, no Maggi, Royko Maggi. <laughs> Some people are confused, like, what does he mean? Is it not so? <laughs> so I have to explain myself. It's not star maggi, it's maggi. Maggi is a type of seasoning. No, is a type of seasoning. It's not no maggi. No maggi. <laughs> White maggi. No, it's ajinomoto. Mm-mm. It's seasoning. By itself, the maggi is the name. Like no. Okay. It's not no. Oh, you worry. Ibus. K-N-O-R-R. I don't like confusing my congregation. Then he now went on to talk about the women. And I already spoke about this. And then he says they should be married to one wife. That means this is a man that has some self-control. His eyes are not wandering. He has overcome women problem. Because once you're a servant, can you imagine you're serving the church? People will come to you for help. And what happens if you are 
on, you know, you have uh, women issues. There's so much opportunity to sin and to make people stumble. So this rule, you found it for overseers. You're also seeing it for the servants of the church. There's more. If they send you, please travel to this city. Go and help the church there like they used to send Titus or Timothy. Next thing, sisters are coming to serve you food. You start behaving like Amnon, son of David, with his sister Tamar, where he raped her. Because you, that, that's why you must be tested. You must be proved. Sometimes we have people here. They are serving in one capacity or the other, but they still stumble sometimes to one immoral thing or one thing. It wasn't so bad. Listen, even if they were, I was to call you and I, I am blind for whatever reason. God didn't show me. And I tell you, I'd like you to come and serve. It's you that should take these things in the Bible that we are studying and say, no, you can't appoint me yet. I have not the self-control. Are you sharing me? The Bible is not, this thing I'm sharing is not for the leaders in a church only. It's for you. In case tomorrow, you, you should be the one to say, I need to confess. I'm not confessed all this time. I have a problem with the opposite text. I and I stumble. You have to have been standing. Your legs must be strong. Or you will sin. You think you've been tempted. When you pursue boys, you pursue girls. You're the one that runs after them. Then you succeed. Out of ten, you pursue. You catch one. What happens when they are surrounded? And they are the ones pursuing you. What do you think you will do? You're dead. That's when you realize that the worst thing that happened to you was to be given a spiritual appointment. I repeat, many servants of God have brought great dishonor to God name and great punishment awaits them. Read the book of Jude and Second Peter 2. You see with the future of many servants of God. When you look at it, read it well. You see it's servants of God. It's not ordinary people. It's, it's the, some, they are teachers in the body of Christ and they have a terrible future. Terrible future because they never learned. So you carried your weakness and went and faced Goliath. He will feed you to the dogs. True, true. Those who eat their vomits. He'll feed you to the filthy. He'll feed your carcass to the birds of the air, to the demons. They'll feast on you. Matthew 13 tells you the birds of the air was Satan, demons. You don't want to be fed to demonic powers, but that's what's happening to many servants of God. They lack so much self-control. They can't ignore any female. They are so weak because they've been defeated by the enemy. You want to fight something you were not trained for or prepared for. So God is teaching us how we ought to conduct ourselves in the body of Christ. Is this clear? And he's to manage his household well. I won't say much on that. The training, part of the test for him is his smaller household. So every time in this church we place people over a group of other people, or even when our people live in community in one household, in different places, people, you're being tested. One of our house. The, the accommodations of one of our people where a number of people are living, you know, I suggested to them that they have rotating leadership. This one will lead now, then the next week another, then another, then that's the method they use. All of that, you're being tested in how to serve. It might seem small, but someday you may use that to serve a whole region, a whole state, a whole country. You may serve the body of Christ worldwide, carrying messages for the Lord. Are you understanding? These are real things. Again, it might seem to fly over your head, but you will understand with time. So he must be a good manager of his house. And finally, for those who have served well as deacons, 
acquire for themselves a high standing. Guess with who? With men. You shouldn't care what men think about you that much. Not that much. You acquire a high standing. I can suggest that it's with God. You acquire a high standing, not an appearance of a high standing. It's real. If you serve well, if you're a good servant of the body of Christ, you are acquiring like a degree. These are the kinds of degrees people should be looking for instead of paper degrees. You should be looking for this. When the Lord Jesus comes, Matthew 25, Luke 19, you'll be in high standing. He will say, well done, good and faithful servants. You don't have to be known by any title. You just have to be one who served well. And you also have great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? I need to take questions. Any questions, raise your hand. You didn't pass it in. Raise your hand if you have a question or answer it at once. And then we pray briefly and we go. I see one hand there. All right, let me answer this ones first. What if the price was primarily 200,000 Naira? Remember when I gave the illustration about being sent to go and buy something 200,000 Naira worth from the church and you priced it down to 185,000 Naira? Won't it be fair to take the 15 Naira, 15,000 for your pricing power Without the church knowing, you know what Orsenda means. Huh? I don't understand what Orsenda means. Without the church knowing, well, how many of you think it's better they they price well and pocket it? I don't know. I wouldn't. Then this is all I'll answer you. If I was here, I'll never do such a thing. That's all. That's all I have to say. Except the pastor said, let me tell you the condition. If the person who gave you the money said, if you can price it down, you take the change. It's very easy. Then you should ask them before you go. If I can price it down, can I take the change? Are you saying? Pay attention. Even when they gave you 200,000, the pastor called and said, oh, 200, okay, uh, go and buy this thing. Tell them, pastor, if I can price it down, can I take the extra? That's all. That's all. But if you quietly went and priced it down, then pocket, I'm sorry. I'm just saying I would never do take such a risk. What if you are wrong? And I think you are. What if you are wrong? Or when you come and say, Pastor, can I keep this thing? Let me tell you the best thing to do with money matters. Just ask directly. You will be 100% saved. Why take the risk? Don't take the risk. You don't want to find out why you have been losing all your money to rats. After 20 years of poverty, you don't want to find out. That was that 15,000 that time. So for 15,000, you have given 8 million. Yes, because you didn't follow the right procedure. Okay, because it says there's a proper procedure for every matter. Follow the right procedure and your hands will be clean. Is this clear? Many people think it's what you do that matters. No, it's the procedure many times. Just follow the right procedure. Be honest. Be Keep a clear conscience. Be open and you are safer. It's like the other day I was talking about that. We probably need an air conditioner. I was telling the church earlier on today, I think we really do. The noise from the building beneath and especially the one next door, the my, my big building here, very nice. And I come out clearly, I don't come and say, oh, the Lord is telling me this September, Rabada, Rabada, Ramadan, Salah. We say it fast, that's tongues, who wants to try? Ramadan, Salah. And you say gutturally, you have produced tongues. Rama, Rama, Dan, Salah. Ramadan. Listen to me. If 
you will be honest in this life. If God wants to provide for you, he'll provide. If he wants you to just manage, manage. He wants to put a lot in your hands for whatever reason. Collect. Don't reject it. But do not risk being on the wrong side of God. It is always dangerous. Because all might seem to be going well till one day. And then you can suffer for years. You don't even know why you're suffering. Till one day God has mercy on you. Maybe someone prays very hard. Maybe you marry at 40. And your wife is a prayerful woman. And one day God shows us something. He say, I, I don't know. I just saw, I just saw written 15,000. They're like 15,000. They what? And you can't remember because it's 20 years ago. You, you, help yourself. Stay safe. Live safe. Hmm? What if the church members of a church find out the general overseer is sleeping around? Can there be a change of person like giving the oversight to someone who is more self-controlled and has better qualities? Yes, but who will do it? I'm not involved. Who do it? Instead of you changing church, must you stay there? Must you die there? Were you born? Which kind of rope is holding you? I often see people do this thing and I always wonder. They act like God said, and thou shalt never leave the denomination of thy fathers or I shall punish thee and thy generation for eternity. I, the Lord, have spoken. I don't know why people act the way they do. No big person carry leg waka go that church, even if it was your great-great-grandfather. The same legs you have been given now by the grace of God, use it and waka away. You must stay there. No, we must topple him, bring him down. Be very careful that you're not the person that strikes Saul. Be very careful, especially if Saul is the one that trained you. Be very careful. When God wants to bring down someone, let him find them somewhere and bring them down. Be very slow to ever believe God sent you to bring down anybody. Be, a, be terrified. I've given you wisdom to be the one that made it your job to pull that. Say that man of God. He's not a man of God. And bring him down. Be very careful. As a lifestyle, you're wondering, ah, Pastor, after everything you say, if you understand, you understand. Be very careful. This is the final question. I don't know why you guys are timid. You should be raising your hand and speaking to a microphone. You've talked about rejecting responsibilities when you're still struggling with sin. Someone's going to say, I didn't answer that last question. Well, pray to God about it. Leave in the meantime. Let others handle the job. Did you hear what I said? Don't make yourself God. I hope that's clear. If you know the person and you have a leader in mind that is more trustworthy, go and report to them. They've caught this person. The mere fact that you say they caught the church members, find out. That's enough. The members know. Shift. Don't be at the forefront. No, no, we know. Don't. Splash it across the paper. Be careful. Be careful. I'm advising you as a press up close. You're like, but you're always preaching against this thing. I'm preaching now. I'm standing in my lectern, in my compound, amongst my people, saying the truth from the Bible, which cannot be faulted. What has that to do with anything? If I throw stone in the direction of the devil and he hits you, what does that show? Huh? But that's utterly different from hunting you down and stoning you to death. Do you understand? It's different. Was King Saul a bad king? Did he try to kill David many times? Do you know the people that killed King Saul came and told David we killed him? He killed them for killing him. He said, you are not afraid to touch the Lord's anointed. Ah, ah, how dare you? The guy brought the crown. Hey, they thought you'd give them a reward because they are, the way they think, they didn't understand. David's like, eh? 
You kill. David was crying his own. So be careful. Let vessels unto dishonor do their work. Is that clear? When God wants to bring down King Ahab, let him raise a Jehu. Is that clear? Keep your hand out of it. Direct prophecy is what told Jehu. Bring down that guy. So you can make it your direct work. God speaks to you directly to bring down someone. That's your choice. Sorry, that's God's choice. It's not you that sent yourself. Just like God sent Elijah. Go and stand before King Ahab and tell him, your bow worship, I'm dealing with you. Let it be God's direct assignment. Alright? And I'm not there. So I don't know. If God sends you, please do whatever God says you should do. Maybe he doesn't send you. Don't go with your feeling. Leave that church. If that church can vote in a new leader, let them get together and say, please, our pastor is living immorality. Vote in a new person. That's fine and good. Is that okay? You've talked about rejecting responsibilities when you're still struggling with sin. I didn't say you should re reject responsibilities. I say you should reject being the servant of the church, a deacon. Do you hear me? Don't say things I didn't say. I've seen people reject all sorts of responsibilities that would have helped them grow up. Do you hear that part? I'm saying it now. I've seen people reject responsibilities, which if they took, they would have grown up spiritually and grown strong. But they rejected the responsibility. I barely ever appoint people things. But once in a while, I've imposed a responsibility on someone. I mean, I've barely compelled people to carry responsibility. When I compel it on you, usually it helps you. In fact, if you just do what you're saying, you overcome, what you're told, you overcome many problems. <clears throat> he said, people out there say that God does not choose the strong. It's not people out there. It's in First Corinthians chapter 2. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing when I wasn't even making a joke? You now seem as though I was having someone. Huh? First Corinthians chapter 1, sorry, verse... Um, you know, it's, it flows over into chapter 2, but I'll just read chapter 1, verse 26, verse, and 27. First Corinthians 1, verse 26 and 27. It says, Brothers and sisters, brothers, consider the time of your calling. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many. You see, not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Why was he doing this? The answer is in verse 31, let me say. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. God does things, things purposely. So nobody will say they did it. Verse 29 says it better. So that no one may boast in his presence. Okay? Now, even if you are mighty and all of that, but you have been emptied of you will not boast about, oh, it's because I went to school, it's because I school here, because I did this, because I've always been good with English, because my family is wealthy. That's why we're able to help people. Provided you, you, you don't boast, God can use you. Do you understand? But if, when He uses you, people will now be giving glory to some carnal thing instead of the grace of God. God will rather choose the weak who have no power because they are the ones that say, who am I? I was not even educated. I didn't have a father. I did all that. That helps God get more glory. Is that clear? All right. So I am not saying that God does not choose any strong. I've made that clear. They will empty themselves. What's the balance? The person asks. The balance is, I'm just giving it. Please, God will choose the weak. He loves to choose the weak. Don't reject responsibility. Except you truly know you are not fit. Then you must tell the person that tried to appoint you why. You're rejecting the responsibility. I was once appointed to do something, but I knew if I stay there, they would tell me to do things 
against my conscience. So I rejected the responsibility. I was appointed a deacon, actually, among seven people specifically. I was already serving. I've been a leader in different places. I've done different things. But I knew that I would cause problems. And I've spoken about this before. If they would tell me, go and take an offering, I would go out and take offerings how I take. I wouldn't stand and quote Balakai 3. What I believe about tithing, I've believed for 20-something years. Before the Church of God in Nigeria started talking about tithing, the things they are saying, I already was saying, like long ago, I already knew certain things. I would already take my tithe sometimes and give to an orphan or to a widow. I already, my mind worked differently already. But if every time you take offering, you're going to say many things that I don't believe are true. And I think I can prove it with scripture. And you send me, once I accept this position you're giving me, it's not possible. They, I, I'll be a source of constant problems. So I turned down, not because I'm wrong, not because I had some terrible weakness in my life like that, no. But because the leadership, you tell me take tight, I'll come and stand and say, well, you know what the Bible actually says about tight? Do you know the trouble it took us? <laughs> I'll come and stand there and say, um, um, offering. Now, listen, the Bible says you should give according to your ability. How many of you know Pentecostals don't like hearing something? Which ability? Give a dangerous sacrifice. Empty your pocket. While I drive home in my big convoy of cars, you empty your pockets. Walk home. God will, God will help you. The rain will not be too strong. No, since I don't believe any of those kinds of things, I now wonder, eh? You appoint me. No, no, don't appoint me. Thank you. Don't. So I privately Turn down the appointment privately, quietly. And God used it to help me move on to do God's will in my life. It was one of the greatest blessings of my life. And that's how you know by the fruit. On the issue of dating, the denomination I came from say it is all right. I've given you my reason. So it can be maintained on the godly level. Now you shall be. I remember this being shared in the youth meeting. Was it by me? So how does one differentiate between dating and courting? That's the only question you have asked. Dating and courting. Courting is in preparation for marriage. Now it's a direct thing. And I commented on it. And I've preached on it many times because I have a large number of young people. So go and ask for the messages. Okay? I will not answer it now. God bless you. The authority of Matthew 4 verse 8 to 9 was given by who? To the devil and why? The authority of Matthew 4 verse 8 to 9. It must be very new. I've preached on this a good number of times. Listen to the messages so you can listen to the one hour version of the answer, not this one minute version I'm about to give you. This translation does not even say it well now. It says, all this I will give you. It didn't say all this has been given to me. Next verse. Well, nice. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And their glory. All this I will give you, he said, if you fall down and worship me. No. No. Uh, Luke, check, give me another rendition. This, what your, the person's question is not from this, this, uh, Luke chapter four. I will give you authority over all these kingdoms and all their glory, he said, for it has been relinquished to me and I can give it to anyone I wish. It was relinquished by Satan. Uh, Satan had it relinquished to him by Adam. Okay? By Adam. Not God. Adam relinquished it. How do we know? 
Genesis chapter 1, what does it say? God created the man and, and he gave him dominion over all the works of his hands. That's number one. How else? Romans chapter 6 is the main answer. And it says, To whomsoever you subject yourself as servants to obey his servants you are. Question. Two people spoke to Adam in the garden about what to do with a certain tree. Which one did they obey? God said don't eat. Satan said eat. Who did they obey? Whoever you obey, his servants you are. Is that clear? Now, I don't know why this person asked this question, but it fits perfectly with what we studied today. We studied servanthood, and it brings our meeting to a fitting end. So the Spirit led that person to ask that question. Everything we studied today is about being a servant of God. Okay? God wants us to be his servants. Let us be servants of God, not servants of Satan. It is a good thing to be a servant of God. It's good to submit. How you prove your submission. You didn't give me Romans 6. Shall I put it up briefly now? <clears throat> Verse 16. Do you not know that when you offer yourselves as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin leading to death or to obedience leading to righteousness? So of he whom one is overcome, Peter said, he is enslaved to whoever overcomes you. You are a servant to the one who overcomes you. When you find yourself, whoever you find yourself obeying, that's your master. So Adam and Eve, mankind, Adam is mankind, man, submitted themselves and obeyed Satan's instruction to eat the truth. That is how they handed over authority over the dominions that were given to them to rule over. Man is the rightful ruler of this earth. Why the Lord Jesus became a human being, a man, First Corinthians 15 calls him the last Adam, is for the sole purpose of a man taking back the keys of death and of hell and taking back the dominion as one of mankind from that spirit. Why does Satan have so much power? It's very easy. Jesus didn't argue with him and say, it's a lie, it's a lie. No, it was the truth. But whenever someone obeys unto righteousness, you come under the power of the one whom you obeyed. So Jesus obeyed the Father God in heaven and came under the power of the Father God. And since God is over all, Satan loses his power. As you obey God personally and in the church and serve his people, you will have a good standing, a high standing with God like Jesus has and is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Lord will share his glory and authority with you. So whenever you can serve the body of Christ, serve. And if you have been called officially in any way, even in this local congregation and out there, whether they called you a deacon, gave you a title, or just call you out and say, let's pray for these people. They will help us in this church. These are the recognized helpers. Do not joke with it. Even if it's not the final official calling, the way humans think. But remember, you must be tested first. Pass your test by serving well. Amen? I'd like you to stand to your feet quickly. First of all, tell the Lord, thank you. If you learned anything good today, tell him thank you quickly. Father, we are grateful for the things we've heard.
for the things we've learned, for the things we've understood. We appreciate it. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. We are grateful for light and understanding. Amen. Amen. Number two, I want you to pray and ask the Lord to help you listen. I don't, you may have gotten born again yesterday. You may get born again today. Maybe you're not, you've not given your heart to Jesus. You've not bowed down to Jesus as Lord, but you have the ability and the right to serve in some way. The only job you may have may be to invite your friend who is not born again too, or was not born again, is not yet born again, and say, come, let's go to church. Say, please leave me. I don't have any clue to wear. And you rush and tell them, go and bat, go and bat. And you take your iron, their iron, and iron their clothes for them. Nobody may see you. There's no one that will accuse you of being a deacon. But you have just helped someone come and hear the truth. Are you understanding? Everyone can help someone in some way. If you come and sit next to someone who looks like they should be writing and they are not, they have no pen. You, you know where to get the audio. You even know where to get the transcript. This person next to you, you don't know when you see them again. You may hand them your pen or you may share with them. You can help in a million ways the body of Christ. Just decide in this world that you rather be a helper. When I was not pastoring, before I had any official position from university, before I became a fellowship president or anything, I would help. If I have a message, I will share it. Hey, you have to listen to this. I'll tell you about it. Oh, you've got to listen to this message. Oh, you got... So, so, so many people do... You, you, you're so indifferent. You don't help anyone know God at all. Not because it's hard physically, but because you don't know you're even allowed to. So I'm telling you now that you have the right and you have the freedom to help people. God wants you to help people. He wants you to say, there's this book I have. Take and read. That's how I lost many of my books. Because I would, I would realize that this brother needs to read this thing. And I'll take my few books that I, I use my E3 money to buy. And say, take and read. And they'll lose it sometimes. Till today, I collect everything I can find. If I see a message, even if I know I may not listen to it or read it or watch that message. I'll collect it and store. I'll collect it and store. I'll store, store, store. Because someday someone is talking to me. I'll say, I think I have those books. Give me a flash drive. Bring your phone and I'll transfer it to you. When I finish listening to things, I never throw them away. I don't, I see a small thing. It looks, I don't throw it away. I keep it. Someone may need it. Being a helper does not mean you have been ordained by the prelate. Of the Anglican communion. Of the Methodist family. No. You can help people. Before it gets to that level. An official. Recognized at national. International. Local assembly level. You can be the helper in your small household. Is this clear? If you will do this. As a practice. You will have high standing with God. 
Everybody wants high standing with God. Today I have shown you how to acquire it. I'm going to give you two minutes to pray a little. You can't go anywhere. It's raining cats and dogs. Even if you have a car, don't go anywhere. I'll pray for it to stop. Don't worry. When it's time to go. This is what happens when people are not supposed to live. And I'm preaching. So, we are going to pray. Ask the Lord, please. It sounds angry. I'm getting angry and angry. Take time and pray. Not two minutes. It seems I said two minutes. Three. <laughs> Ask the Lord, please help me to be a helper. And help me practice helping as a manner of life. Pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus. Help us. 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 Help us be those who help others. You have helped us greatly. May we receive wisdom and grace to help others. Day and night, Jesus. Oh God, let us see how you are pleased with our helping. May we be men and women who do good to men and women wherever we go, young and old, rich and poor. Deliver us from bias or ill-motived help. May we be helpers who help from a place of love for you. O oh Lord our God. <laughs> This is our prayer. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. We are still going to pray. Give me the passages. Start from verse 8. We are going to pray through them one after another. Pick it. One minute. Pray it. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 8. First thing, dignity. Ask God to help you to act with dignity from today. Pray. Father, I ask that everyone here will be dignified. No more will they be lousy. No more will they be unserious. No more will they be a source of stumbling. No more, no more, no more. No more, oh Lord God, will they be a reason, Father God, for great discouragement and annoyance to anyone. Father, we pray you that we will have people who are dignified in their secret life in their deepest hearts and externally also. Help us be dignified so that we bring honor to your name. Thank you. Amen. Amen. You are not to be double-tongued, saying two things, speaking from two sides of your mouth. Being, when you are with this one, you agree to this one. When you are here, you, you turn and agree here. You always agree up and down. You're a coward and you're a liar. Ask God, free my tongue of all division. Sew it together. Let me not have a snake tongue. Snakes have a double tongue. They tell lies. Lord, free us from a double tongue. Sew the tongue together. Cleanse on clean lips. Today and now. Cleanse on clean lips, O oh Lord God. Cleanse, 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 cleanse. Cleanse in the name of Jesus. Let there be purity. Let there be purity. Let there be straightforward speech. Let our mouth be free of deceit. Thank you. Amen.
Ask the Lord to free you from the love of pleasure and greed. The love of pleasure, wine. Too much wine. The love of pleasure and greed. Pray, Father, free me from it so I can help your people. If you are greedy, you can't help. You keep everything for yourself. Lord, help me serve others. Deliver me from thinking about myself. Oh, Lord God, help us serve others. This is our prayer. This is our request. This is what we ask for. Oh, Lord God. Amen. Amen. You're going to pray again, but I need you to be clear of what you're praying. When I didn't say this when we, I was sharing, one of the reasons why it says you must not be greedy for money is that a major way you can help the body of Christ is by giving. Example, Barnabas. In the book of Acts chapter 4, Barnabas sold a piece of land he had and brought all the money, obviously, and gave it to the apostles. And they used it to meet the needs of those that had needs among them. But a couple who was greedy, called Ananias and Sapphira, sold their own, took part of the money, kept it, and came and lied that this is all the money we got. We gave 100%. Nobody asked them to tell that lie. They chose to tell it. They were greedy, but they were trying to pretend like people who loved the church and who were serving the church. But the truth is they were not serving the church. They were serving their reputation. I want us to pray. And I'm being, it is very likely that Phoebe, when he says she has been a helper to us and the whole church, I doubt she was helping without giving. I very much suspect she was giving a lot. Now you can help Aquila and Priscilla may have not had much money. The Bible says they risk their life. So you can help by risking your life to do the dangerous things for the body of Christ. But you can also help by taking what you have and sharing. Most people cannot help the church because they are never willing to give up what they have. You have a three-bedroom house and there are people who have no house to stay in, maybe a family, and you're so afraid of helping them. Because if you help them, you need only one room. It's only you. But if they move into these two rooms, how do you know they will ever lean? They may not lean. I would suggest you seek counsel from your pastor, from others, and have a habit of thinking beyond you. The way Jesus said it was, do unto others as you want done to you. So instead of keeping two empty rooms and living very comfortably and once in a year or twice, a visitor comes and stays in one of the other two rooms, you might be more kind and tell someone you can come and stay here, but for 
One year, because within that time, I may get married and I need my uh, privacy, which is true. But to just keep it empty, to be afraid to help, is why many people are not helpers of the church. You can't take the risk. But I learned from obeying God, a little here and a little there, that God will bless the one who opens up his arms wide to assist the needy. And you will not lack as God promised. If you open up, even when you have little, God will give you a lot more so you can help many more. So whether it is money you have, whether it is property, whatever it is you have, use, learn to use it to help the church. Take notes. They were not helpers of the men of God only. There are people who only help men of God. Let me tell you what I've always preached from the Bible. If you want to give money to servants of God, try and give mostly to those who serve the body a lot. It's not that hard if you try. If you look at a servant of God that has one million followers, I don't think they need your help that much. I think you should face your side. Let the one million people following them help them. Emil, because there are many wrong ideas. There are people who believe that the bigger profile the man of God has, that the more unction comes. I'm not even talking about the false doctrines about sowing upwards, all sorts of ridiculous things said. So you look at a multi-millionaire pastor, then if you give to that one, you may become a millionaire. You're wasting your money. Help those who help the church and you will be wise. Luke 8 tells you that they gave to Jesus. Some women would support Jesus and his apostles were with him, his disciples. That's what provided their needs. Jesus didn't pocket it, pocket it all and say to John and Peter, you guys, you better go and hustle. This offering was mine. That mindset, unfortunately, is very popular now. It's even considered normal. That, oh, this money is for the man of God. When you come across men of God who understand that the things that come in are supposed to take care of others, that's a good place to give. Because when you give to such a man, he's, you're actually giving to maybe 200 or 300 people or 500 at the same time. Since they are doing what the apostles did, which was to administrate what came in to all who had been go back and read Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, you will see it written there very plainly. That when people brought and gave them, they as leaders oversaw the assistance of the church. That's the people, not the building of structures endlessly. Try and avoid people that build a lot as they practice in giving. Or the things you did with your money will be burnt with fire. God promises you to be burnt with fire. So you're constantly giving to people who are always building something while church members are hungry. You are not sowing to righteousness. No, no, no. But that thing they are building will contain, it has a social and social capacity. So what? You hear someone is doing missionary work, ministry work, and they are doing it and you're sure. They are reaching out to the unreached. They are preaching to Muslims. They are reaching out to rural areas. That's where money goes to. Not someone who has a, a thousand supporters who carry them every 
every every day. People who have those who give one offering and in the amount of the offering of a church in, in five years, one church in that village, five years offering, someone gives it every Sunday. You're still giving to this one. You're not thinking. You're not thinking at all. You have watched too much TV and you are moved by words. So because this one is on TV and announcing, give to our ministry. We are doing this. We are doing that. Or sow a seed and I'm releasing a breakthrough anointing. Your folly has, you've lost too much money already. And the man who is your neighbor living next door, whose church you've attended half of the time when you're around, when you're not in the other place, next door, and he has seven people, and then you finish, and then you put an offering of 2,000 naira or five or 10,000 naira with great feeling of, you have this feeling of, I'm doing so much. And you drop 10,000. I'm sure this will help this body. And then when you're sending offering to billionaire pastors, you put 200,000. Don't you realize your head is not healthy? Spiritually, you're very unhealthy. You don't even understand. If this person is actually doing God's work truly, the only reason you send such a large amount there and gave so little here is that you believe the lie that God Almighty in heaven gives out the grace of God according to how popular a person is. Did he sow into that your breakthrough anointing? Truly, truly. You give him some of the breakthrough anointing. But you gave 10,000 in the other place where the man has been saying, Oh God, may the landlord not kick us out. Showing that you are not led by the Spirit. It's not the Spirit that leads you. It's your eyes that lead you. You have been deceived like many Christians have been deceived. If you ever see someone doing a work, the one, this fellow does not need 10,000. He needs 100,000. That your 100,000 you sent that that person is going to use to buy a shirt, one shirt, one, one shirt amongst the 59 shirts they already have opened, hanging in their wardrobe because the other 200, they have not opened the packet. That's just from the last birthday. You see, you wear your head, no, they won't wear. When I say your hair was not working before, you didn't agree. Inside your heart, you're saying, why would you say that? Now, is it not clear? You're giving someone who set alone, package set of which one. When they are, his church member wants to buy, they'll say, ah, you cannot give Papa any small thing now. So you are, is there any 200,000 hair shirt here? Even you, you didn't know it exists. But because you want to honor Papa. You said, let's bring 100,000. Your wife said, no, I'll add 100. That's how you bought 200,000 shirt. You don't know there's 200,000 shirt. There's, there's 400,000 t-shirts. It looks like that. It looks like, who's wearing t-shirt? When you see it, it looks exactly like a t-shirt. It looks like they bought it 1,000, but it's 400,000. I'm not exaggerating. All of you looking at me in this Nigeria, and that's before the dollar went up. Be there. You went and showed to people like that because you believe that an unction to have money will come on you. You have been deceived. And it is not my message today. Don't be greedy. And that's what happens when people are greedy for money. You're giving money to get money. Never give money to get money. Don't be giving money to get money. Give money because it is needed by the ones you gave it to. You gave it to a man of God who took it and gave it to those in need. Use it to meet the needs of those that I need. That is how to give money. That's the only way to give money. Any other thing is flip it round. The one who does not need money, that you give money to. You know what the book of Proverbs 16 says? The Proverbs 16, 22. Let me show you what the scripture says. 22, 16. What does the scripture say? Oppressing the poor to enrich 
oneself, read, or giving gifts to the rich will surely lead to poverty. I've barely met anyone that has ever seen this passage before. If you give gifts to the rich, what does the Bible say will happen to you? Were you ever told that giving gifts to the rich that you're going to end up poor? We are told the opposite. Do you know how poor you've been because of giving money to the rich? You're not to give money to the rich. The Bible tells you repeatedly to give money to the poor, not to the rich. So when you give the poor 5,000 and give the rich 500,000, I'm sorry. You just bought poverty. You give to the needy. The whole Bible tells you a thousand times, maybe not a thousand, but very many times to give to the needy, to the poor, not to the rich. And then someone comes and says, you sow in fertile ground. I remember hearing this in 1998 or 1999. Say fertile ground. Now, if I heard in 1998-99, I don't know what is being preached. In fact, the church is tired. They are tired. They have changed. Now, things have changed. People have finally, it's up to here. But there are many who still believe these things. No, you give to the needy. That's what the God you claim to serve said. So what's the prayer? A, someone who is going to help the church cannot be someone who does not understand these simple things. These simple things. But majority of Pentecostalism, the Pentecostal church in Nigeria does not understand it. They have been told for so long that the person you give money to has this power to release unction on you and you have a lot of money. You didn't check out of the 200 people that showed that time. There's only two people that gave a testament because the other ones, some of them, why they didn't testify, they moved back to the village. After they gave that offering, their landlord chased them out. They couldn't pay for it. Some of them made the mistake. This is real. Some of you know it better than me. And went to their pastor and said, Pastor, I need help. And the pastor chased them away, empty-handed. You have never heard it before. Some of you, it happened to your relative. Not mine. Why? How come you could give him 200000 and he couldn't give you eighty, a uh, 102000 to pay off? Because you are the Mugu. And that time you're asking him, he has $2.8 million in the bank. He's not giving you. You, you gave, you had... You had 120, you gave 110 and came the other 10,000 to manage for that month. And like I asked in one message, can, who should be more kind, me or you? God forbid the day anybody following me is more kind than me. How can you be more generous than me? Why? I thought I'm the example of Christians. I'm, I thought a leader should be an example of Christians. That's exactly what we are reading here. A deacon, one who helps, a minister. You should, you, if you're greedy, you can't be kind. Number one reason people are not kind is greed. Why? Because, no, no, I have to keep that money. Ah, who knows tomorrow? I want you to pray and ask God to deliver you. Hear me. Don't, stop, stop praying for money. Look for opportunities to be kind. You don't show money. You show kindness. Then you reap kindness. Are you hearing me? You don't show money. Stop all those stories about how you give dollars, you get dollars, you give pounds. I don't have time now. You show kindness. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And the seed is in the fruit. You sow kindness. You reap kindness. What do you want to do with money if your child has an accident? Do you want money? If you spread money over the child, will he, will he, will he, will he stop bleeding? What you want when you have an accident, if you have an accident, is that a passerby will stop and pick you and drop in the hospital. You need kindness. Even if you have 100 million. Some days ago, they killed someone in America. I saw a news clip this morning. A young lady married with three children also. I don't, I haven't, I don't know the details yet. I'll ask, I pray someone reminds me. They said she's an heiress to a billion dollar tech company. Do you hear me? Do you understand what a billion dollars is? 
Are you sure? Do you understand what a million dollars is? Dollars, US dollars. She's one of the heiresses. That is, she's an heir. That means say when the papa, the person will get the company die, or maybe he's dead already. That woman will be at the very least, possibly what hundreds of millions of dollars. They killed her like a chicken. Ecclesiastes said it that money and wisdom are a shelter. But that money cannot protect the life of the one who has it. Wisdom would have done that. The spirit of wisdom should have gotten up like she normally got up to jog that day. She always jogged fixed. Nice woman. They say she's very nice, very beloved. Should have gotten up to jog that day. And should have said, what kind of dream was that? And this person sent me, it's true. That's the third person that told me. I don't think I'll travel. And she the car was waiting for her. And they found out that the guy that murdered her, whom they just caught some days ago, two days or so, is the same guy that was locked up, had kidnapped a lawyer in her father's or uncle's sperm. Like there's a connection. So it's possible he waylaid her. The car was parked as she jogged back from the camera. They drove, dragged her into a car. That's the last. Then they found her dead body four days behind later. Now, abandoned. It's not that they kidnapped her and took her away. He murdered her. But she's worth maybe hundreds of millions of dollars. How much are you worth to go and do that? In dollars. But you are alive. But you are alive. But you are alive. But you are alive. You are alive. Money cannot preserve your life. And no, no, with money, you can have good health care. You didn't hear me. I should tell you all the rich people that died in the last one year who could have the best health care on earth. Who just died? Who just died three days ago? The Queen Elizabeth. Do you know how rich Queen Elizabeth is? Eh? Years ago, I read that the Queen is the richest person on earth. Who has read before? Oh, they said she's the richest person on earth. If they convert all their whole, they don't, do you think the Queen is on Forbes? No, they don't put them on any list. Have you ever read on a list? I saw rich people, I saw the queen's name. They don't calculate. There's no need. You're not hearing me. When they are checking rich people, they don't call it. It's not everybody they add. There's no need. Years ago, I read. You can go and check it out. It's long ago, I checked it. They said the rich people, they're doing holdings here. This, that, 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 that. that. If you put it all together, this is the single richest individual on earth. Aligned. So all these people you praise are small boys. And by the way, all these people that say they have money, you guys don't understand how money works, many of you. I don't know if anyone here understands how money works. When they say Elon Musk is the richest man, when they say Jeff Bezos is second richest, when they say Bill Gates is this, when this one is that, Carlos, their money is not cash. They don't have that money. City has cash somewhere. All that jumping up and down, I have money to have, how this one became first, then this one became second. It's stocks. It's not real money. It's not liquid money. They don't have that money. They couldn't have that money. Their actual cash worth is something very different. That's how they can go from being very rich and move very fast in the opposite direction. So you better understand it. I don't like money, so I don't like talking about it. Don't look at me. I'll give you classes on money. I'm just telling you things that are real. Go and check out. When you leave here, go and check the real value of money. When they see a rich person, get one of those YouTube videos. Let them teach you. There's what they call real money. There's old money. There's money. Then there's, then there's an appearance of money. If you shake it all down, the person may be worth one over a hundred of what they say they are worth. When you shake it like this, if someone buys out their stock, suddenly they go from being the so-called richest to being, if a hundred people pull out their money, suddenly those people are not that rich again. But people like the queen, nobody that kind of rich is then rich. 
They are rich in a different way. It's real rich. Riches. But she died though. She died. 96. She moved on. Nothing could keep her back when the time comes. You, you are alive. Or is there any dead person listening to me? I want you to pray. Oh. Money will not keep you. You must be free of that thing. The love of money. You must be free of it. You mustn't want to be rich. First Timothy 6 says you should not want to be rich. You should want your needs provided and you should look for a chance to be a blessing. That's what money actually is for, for helping people. When you're happy that more money has entered your account, it should be, I can help more people. I can give more towards those who help people. You can't be a servant of the church if you love money. I want you to pray and say, Lord God, today, read me. Listen, listen. You think you know how to handle things. You don't. Be permitted. Let me tell you what how prayer works. Don't come and be making empty promises. Oh God, from today, I decide. Don't be deciding. Say, oh God, I beg. Please, help me not be greedy. Teach me. Free me. Give the matter to God. Do you understand how to give a matter to God? Hand it over and step away. Stop trying to run it. You can't. Be wise. And he will. He's a good teacher. It may take a year or two. It may take time, but he will teach you here and there. He will teach you. You pass through situations. You say, God, why? He'll tell you, do you remember? Oh, yeah. He said, yes, this is part of the class. He's good at his job. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Pray and say, God, I don't want to be greedy so I can help the church. The church would have been helped greatly if people were not greedy. There would be no poor amongst us if we were not greedy. Lord God, please help us. Help us. Help us. Help us. Rid us of greed in the name of Jesus. Rid us of greed. Rid us of greed. Rid us of greed. Forge us of the things that drive us to withhold help because of our plans, our financially driven plans. Thank you, good God. Blessed be your name. Amen. I'm going to bundle all of this and pray for you. And you say amen as required. From verse 8, he says, you should hold, not verse 8, verse 9. Uh, that your conscience should be clear. Father, I'm asking for everyone here that they should hold faith with a clear conscience. Let them know truly what we believe in. Help them sit down and learn the things they must learn so that when they believe what they believe, it's from a place of true understanding. Let us be free of all hypocrisy. Amen. Father, we ask that you give us grace to endure our testing. Help us come to a place that is above reproach. Let there be nothing to say against us. Let everyone here come to a place where there is nothing to say against their Christianity. Let, there, let this be our goal that nobody can fault us in the name of Jesus. And Father, I ask, that you help even the women who are helpers not to be hindered by slander. May their own service not be tainted with gossip, O oh Lord God. May they have self-control. May there be no helper that is female who will hide behind saying, we are women. May they stay self-controlled in the name of Jesus. And may they be faithful. Rid them of all disloyalty in every form that this loyalty and unfaithfulness manifest in their lives. Father, I'm asking this place, raise helpers for the church of God. Raise helpers for the church of God. 
raise helpers for the church of God worldwide. For there are some of you even here who will be sent far and wide to help churches. There will be much grace on you. You won't walk to a foreign country. You will fly. The Lord will provide every need according to his riches in glory. And you will have understanding of why God provided the needs. But in this time, Lord God, as they are being tested, help them be found faithful. May we be faithful enough to serve efficiently enough to be promoted to higher service, O God. Help us all manage whatever we are given today. Every small household we are given, whether it's a unit, a department, in church, in school, in the compound we stay in, in our villages, our towns and cities, in households, in wherever we find ourselves. Let us be good managers of the younger ones amongst us. Help us be prepared in this way and may your promise be fulfilled in their lives. Let many that are hearing this message today and every other time, let them arise from it and let people be greatly encouraged when they pass through them. When they come through their cities, their houses, let every house be helped. Make us all great helpers. When we go into a family with troubles, let it be healed. When we go into a family with lack, let their needs be met. When we enter a place where there's ignorance, let there be light. Let us all be powerful symbols of the help that God helped us with. May the helper flow through us freely. Let true deacons be restored to the church of God. Let true deacons be restored to the church of God. Let the diaconoses found in churches everywhere be of this standard once again. Thank you. Visit the churches and purge out the false. Raise the real. Thank you, good God. I want you to thank the Lord and give him praise. For we have asked according to his will. Hear us, hear us, hear us, hear us, hear us. Hear us, good God. Hear us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, before I pray a blessing on you just for the week, or that if you have an offering in cash you want to give or you want to make a transfer, there's a number that will be on the screen. We have an, uh, um, meetings here on Wednesday and Friday, 5 p.m. You're welcome to be here on Wednesday and Friday. And also... Um, you are welcome to join the Believer's Bible School. I spoke about it last uh, Sunday. I heard some days after that that it had been stressed a bit strongly or someone had given a testimony or so about the importance of attending this. So I understood that there must have been someone here last Sunday online that the Lord was really stressing the importance of this. I hope that person had ears to hear. Okay? I repeat, last Sunday... Thus, when I was making announcements, I began to talk about the Believer's Bible School, the six-class scheme we use from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. And I stressed it very strongly. And I suspected God was speaking to some specific people here. But I'm saying when I left, about a day or two later or so, I heard that someone had shared either a testimony or something, and the person spoke about this class and said that this class is very important also, which would be a strange thing. But I repeat, it means there was someone here 
that the Lord was stressing it for. And I'm hoping that that per- I don't know if that person is here now, whoever it was. I'm hoping that the person had ears to hear. I hope that person understands spiritual things. I hope the person understood that he or she was meant to immediately begin to attend those classes. Just in case, because some people don't hear very well. Do your best. You have no excuse. It will last for three and a half to four weeks, a month of classes. It's free. People teach content that is far less and far less useful in every way. Content that is just the surface of what we teach here. And they charge money and it costs all sorts of things. We won't give you any certificate because it doesn't mean anything. I just counsel you not to do what many people do, where you despise things because it is free. The best things on earth are free. The ability to get pregnant. Oxygen. What, what is that? Does it cost money to be able to get pregnant? Typically, it's free. Except someone, there's a health issue, underlying reason, causing a form of barrenness. Other than that, it's free. Many people that got pregnant, did they want to be pregnant? They never wanted to be. I'm explaining that, but what's better than a child? A child is a fantastic gift. I'm saying God gives the most costly things for free. So don't despise things that are free because it came freely. And don't respect things that cost money. Some of it is rubbish, even though it costs money. Is that clear? You're invited. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, 5 p.m. But the general church meets on Wednesday and Friday. Come for the Bible study. Come for the prayer meeting. Come and learn. Don't waste this opportunity you have. Come and learn. Drag someone along. It will do them good. Amen? Father, thank you for every chance to give. You give us. Thank you for the opportunity to help the church. Thank you that we are a church that can help and helps the poor. Thank you, Father, for every person you have helped to help others. I ask that you give them more ability today to do so. I also request of you that you provide all their need according to your riches in glory. I'm asking that you bless them this week and give them grace with the work of their hands. Anyone and everyone that has a decision to make that is of great moment, Give them clarity. Give them the wisdom and the ability to discern what is right and what is best. Let them be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Do great things in their lives. Thank you. Thank you. I ask that you keep their family. Show mercy to the weak here. I ask for your healing grace to come upon the weak here. Anyone that is sick, I cross the sickness within your body. I speak soundness to your being from your head to your toe. Let there be light within your mind in the areas of confusion. Everything that is unclear, cease in Jesus' name. Everyone that, uh, someone, you've been having bad dreams. Father, as that you bring clarity, clarity, bring clarity as to why they are having those dreams. Don't just take it away. Help them understand why. Give them grace to ask why, Lord. And then bring a resolution to the matter. Free them of those terrible dreams. Nothing may go into abeyance. The snake may not run under and hide. Yeah. The snake may not run under and hide. You not hide. You will be killed. Let the fire of God's judgment burns to those lower nether regions 
and cause the snake to emerge to the surface and be struck dead. Be trampled in the name of Jesus. No deception may subsist in your life. Thank you, good God. The kind God. He knows your name. Keeps you from falling. Is the reason we got it. Father, we thank you. We are grateful for all of this. Are you grateful? Okay, now I don't need to call you out to talk about the dream. You know yourself. So, so you can see God is on your matter. So he knows. That's all that matters, okay? That he knows. He knows. And you've been saying God, right? And all that. But what matters is that he knows. That should give you enough peace. All right? But the second level, I know you'd have liked. When I, when it came, first thing I went to say, I rebuked that dream. Let it stop. Then, when you heard what I said. Mm-mm. You can't just be happy that the snake, you're no more seeing the snake that you have seen twice in your parlor. Don't you want to know the whole way it is so you can pour cement inside? You don't want to kill it? Okay, I should pray for the dream to disappear. No, no, you want to know why you're having the dreams. You want to know why. Why are you having? Now, there's a reason and that's what I as a pastor think is best. So I'm helping you. I'm not hating you. I'm asking that God will reveal to you why you're having them. When you have found out, take authority. If you feel you don't have the authority your hand now, come and talk about it or talk to your shepherd. If you're part of this house and you come, then I can pray for you. You can come after a meeting like this. I'll just say a quick prayer. Don't come now. Go and find out why first. The why is important. I hope you've heard me. You're not used to this kind of pastor, Abby. You want me to say, power? No. If I do that, it will come back again because it's not dead. It has eggs. They will hatch. And from one snake, it will be 50. I've never loved people according to how they want me to love them. My love is real. All right? So I'm loving you by helping you. Is that good? Father, thank you. In Jesus' name we praise. We pray you receive eyes to see, ears to hear, and an understanding heart. Remember, test all things and hold fast to what is good. For more information, visit our website at gods-lighthouse.org.